Law enforcement officer or local government employee? Want to make sure you are executing the laws in a constitutional manner? Are you a city council member, township board member, or state legislator? Want to ensure the laws you pass are constitutional? Perhaps you are a citizen who wants to know the proper limits on government and the protections for your God-given liberties. After two years of doing our live streams almost exclusively at noon on Tuesdays, we are bringing a 7 p.m. live call-in show to you at the request of our loyal supporters. So, call me, Constitutional Catherine, the phone number listed on the screen. And remember, together we can restore freedom. Hello, this is Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry. Join our live conversation on this important topic by posting in the live chat or calling in to 616-303-0093. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone. Uh, good evening, I guess. It's no longer uh, good afternoon like it normally would be when I do the uh, noon Eastern Standard Time show. But um, anyway, thank you for joining us. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and welcome to the show, uh, Restore Freedom Weekly. We are trying out this new time slot to see if there's any more interest, if it works better for any of you to be able to tune in and get your constitutional questions answered. Speaking of which, if you are a uh, public official, if you are a legislator from the state or national level, or perhaps you're a local township uh, official or city council member, um, or city, uh, what do they call it? City commission uh, is what they call it, at least in my county down here in Florida. Now it's hard to get used to. They switch the terms from how I'm used to in Michigan. Um, or if you are um, uh, a, a prosecuting attorney, uh, you're a law, law enforcement officer, you are just a local government clerk, for example, you are either in charge of creating laws or you are in charge of executing the laws. Uh, either way, if you want to make sure that you're doing your job the right way, that you are implementing only those laws that are constitutional, uh, give us a call tonight. 616, uh, I don't know what the phone number is, 616-303-0093. I've only had that phone number for, I don't know, three and a half years now since we started the Restore Freedom Initiative. I should have that number memorized by now, but shoot, I can't even talk. So um, I guess that's going to be the kind of night it is. But anyway, uh, if you are not in local, state, or federal government, but you're a concerned citizen, you just want to make sure that you're doing your part to keep uh, your rights or the rights of your loved ones protected, or perhaps uh, that you want to... Um, just ensure some accountability for the government officials in your area and have some constitutional questions we can help you with, go ahead and give us a call at 616-303-0093. And, oh, I thought I heard my phone ringing, but I did not. So um, let me see. I'm going to... Oh, I don't have the chat going. It's going to be one of those nights. 
Um, give me one second, guys. I'm going to see if I can figure out how to fix that very quickly here. Um, we have... Awesome! I have two YouTube live streams going at the same time. That's fantastic. That might be why... I'm having an issue getting my live stream chat to show up from YouTube because it doesn't know which one to pull. Um, I have no clue how to solve that. I've never had that problem. If you guys are tuning in and uh, you've had experience with your YouTube channel going live twice at the same time uh, and know how to fix it, by all means, please give me a shout out. Let me know how you addressed it. Um, in the meantime... I'm going to do my best uh, very quickly here to see if I can get at least some sort of chat up for us. So uh, hang in there. Um, if you do have a question and want to give us a call, um, like I said, give us a call at 616-303-0093. I'd love to hear from you. Um, let's see, as we started here. Um, and let's see, let us know if you can hear us, uh, give us a comment if you're watching us live on Rumble or Facebook or YouTube so we can make sure everything is up and running smoothly. And let's see here. Um, of course I went into the wrong thing. Of course I would do that. Um, all right. It's not always as simple as it should be, I guess, but, um, there it is. Okay. I have all the, to make it work, I just need the technology to cooperate, so... Uh, I do have a special guest calling in at some point during this first half hour here to ask some constitutional questions or at least have a constitutional conversation. So we will see. Um... <laughs> Nothing is working right. This is awesome. There we go. Copy and paste used to be control C, control V as far as I knew, but my computer decided to do something a little different. Um, so uh, we do have, actually, we have a few um, special guests that might be calling in today. There's some freedom fighters out there that have um, actual, like, specific ongoing cases. I've invited them to call in and... Um, ask some questions uh, about the Constitution and how they relate to their cases. So uh, I do expect to hear from at least a couple of them today. Um, but we'll see. I'm trying to work around on not being able to see the YouTube chat. Nope, it's just not. Oh, okay. Um, Cat Scratch on YouTube says technology has a mind of its own sometimes. It sure does. Am I seeing that in 
course I'm not going to see it on there. All right. That's fantastic. Um, and Liberty Cause seems to be back to one stream. Okay. Uh, Spicy Chemist, can you please come back to Ottawa County? We need you to run for commissioner. Um, well, it's interesting. I did notice that um, the Ottawa County commissioner who was uh, representing my area, Georgetown Township, has resigned. And uh, I, I don't know that I would have run because I, I would have already been Georgetown Township trustee. But um, move back to where it's already snowing. Let me think about that for a minute. That's a hard no. Uh, I do miss all the freedom fighters. I do miss um, the fact that uh, real people have actually started to take over uh, in government. So, uh, but I, I don't miss a lot of the other. I don't miss. I don't miss Whitmer. I don't. I don't miss Benson or you know any of that. So let's see. Um, Rumble is working great. Plus, no commercials. 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 I have commercials in my live stream on YouTube. That's weird. I thought that was only in the playbacks. Um, Donald Williams is, looks like joining us from Traverse City. Um, and let's see, <laughs> uh, spicy chemist. I am, uh, I'm, I'm interested to know if I'm obviously, I know who you are if you're from Georgetown Township, but, um, anyway, I'd love to know who you are in, in real life. Uh, big bad John. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So awesome. Awesome to know that we're doing commercials during the live now. I did not know that was a thing. So uh, sorry about that, guys. Um, anyway, let's see. Uh, and there's an ad before the stream starts. Uh, let's see. A small town here in Michigan removed the entire board. Yes. Uh, let's see. That was the Goshen plant, if I remember correctly. And I want to say Green Township, Michigan, if I'm remembering correctly. And I want to say that is somewhere in the Big Rapids area. And uh, people who were fighting against the plant being put in by Communist China and Governor Whitmer in cahoots were there speaking at the uh, Freedom Fighting event in Big Rapids, um, that I was uh, also blessed to be able to speak at in June of this year when we were up there. Um, let's see. Okay. Yes, donations have been low, um, guys. So if you enjoy any of the work that I've been doing these last three and a half years, especially some of you have known me for a lot longer than that. And you've known that I've been fighting for the little guy and fighting for freedom for a lot longer than that. But anyway, um, then yes, please consider donating. Hey, it's it's been Small Business Saturday. It, it's uh, uh, Giving Tuesday today, actually. So if you can consider donating to Restore Freedom, you can go right to restorefreedomkh.com slash donate. And you have the opportunity to uh, throw us a few pennies uh, from Cash App or PayPal or uh, go through Square. They've actually been pretty uh, pretty straight up and uh, non-judgmental, I guess, in terms of some of the things that PayPal's tried to do and, and GoFundMe and some of those other things. Um, but we would love to be able to have your support, even if it's $5, $10, $100, $1,000. Every little bit helps because we pay out of pocket to be able to do the live streams, to be able to put the videos together, to be able to have 
all the law books uh, behind me on the shelves so I can pull them off and do the research and put stuff together for you guys. And uh, as soon as we get through um, oral argument in my Ormond Beach case in January, the first week of January, and get a result in that case, and then I get my Allegan County lawsuit going, um, then I'm going to be in a much better position to be able to take on actual cases again. Uh, and I do have some people that are interested in me doing some amicus briefs at the Supreme Court, and I'm doing my best <laughs> to wade through all that and tackling on raising a new kid, a uh, 15-year-old, and of course the other ones that I've given birth to. So, um, all right. Uh, let's see. Leroy, uh, investigations should be calling in shortly. Um, and let's see. Um, it's buffering. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you know what, guys? Um, give me a second here because I might be able to fix the buffering issue. It might be our internet is set to have, um, what's going on? Oh, good Lord. It is set to have my computer be primary during the day on Tuesdays when we were doing our, um, uh, all of our live streams then. So... All right, I did um, set the priority here and um, let's see. Um, pausing some other stuff. So let me know if this is working. Okay, Amy says she's not seeing any cat scratches, not seeing any, um, let's see. Spicy Chemist, you emailed, where did you email about the Restore Freedom app? Is this not able to be fixed and working? Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. You just called and it says somebody else is on the line. I'm not showing a missed call. Let's see. Wow, this we're off to a great start. I'm not showing any calls. Um Yes, Mike, if you want to handle prioritizing only this computer and pausing everything else on the Wi-Fi, that would be fantastic. But you weren't answering me in the chat earlier when I asked if you were there and ready to go. So um, okay. Refreshing. It's an, it's not a page, Lori. It's an app. I can't refresh it. Um, I guess I'll close it. That's the best I could do. Close it and come back in again and see if that works. And then we can get our first caller on there. Interesting that it said that we were already calling. All right, um, Leroy Investigations, I'm not even showing a missed call from you, so I can't call you back. Uh, so if you want to give us a call or throw me the phone number, um, 
Let's see. Interesting. Um, okay, so buffering is gone for Big Bad John. That's good. Um, had to refresh the link to get it back. Oh, homegrown. Okay, I got you. Formerly known as D. Interesting. Okay. Um, it says if you're calling during the show and you receive this message, it means you have somebody on the line. Yes, but it there's nobody on the line because you guys would hear it. <laughs> I'm not hearing it. I'm seeing it right here. Um, all right. <laughs> okay, I gotta know who Spicy Chemist is. If you're giving my husband crap like you know him, this must be somebody we know. Um, ooh, there is one, there is one guest that I have, but, um, anyway. Um, all right. Um, what are your thoughts on the communications coming from SCOTUS as of late? Um, yes, Mike wasn't ready. He was cooking dinner. Chop, chop, multitask, just like a mom does. I mean, geez. Um, okay. So at least we have that. Let me see if the chat is showing on, <laughs> of course, it's not going to show on the screen here. That's great. Um, let me see here. Okay, so Cynthia, thank you for letting us know that you can hear loud and clear on Facebook. Um, and Lapeer, Michigan voted in four new city commissioners. I'm assuming that's good. How many city commissioners do they have in Lapeer? I don't know off the top of my head. Um, and let's see. Um, Lori, if you can get um, if you can get Leroy's uh, phone number, I could try calling out to him and see if that works. And, um, yes, um, otherwise I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and try to call a certain someone and, uh, it's not working to call out either. That's great. That is actually super fabulous. Hello. Mike, you might want to come in here to help me because uh, a live call-in show doesn't work so great if they can't call me live during the show. Um, and yeah, that makes none sense of the technology is working. Um, I could switch to try opening Google Voice from the app, but then it's not going to, you guys aren't going to be able to hear it. Um, and then we get an echo if I have it play through the speakers of the computer, which is why um, if I do it not through the app, but through the browser, rather, that it doesn't work quite that way. It's not letting me call. Oh, boy. I'm just going to call my husband from the other room on my normal cell phone number. Hey, I need you in here. Are you not listening? I need you in here. Nothing's working. I can't, I can't call. Help. Help. Okay. So. Come in. Help, help. Okay. So I have the phone number for Leroy Investigations. 
uh, at least I'm assuming that's the number that Mr. Liberty Cause gave me. And it's not, uh, it's, it's not letting me call. So let me see. I'm going to try it right here. That can't be right. But I'm not hearing any ringing. And this is set to... Hello there, this is Leroy. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Help me out here. What's going on? Why can't I get this? No, it's ringing in the stream. What? I was successfully able to call you and you heard him. They heard you. They heard it. Why can't I What's going on? Okay, guys. Um, how can I troubleshoot this? Um, so the stream isn't showing. The chat is not showing. That's awesome. Um, and the heard them both. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, Leroy truth investigations. If you can hear me, I'm still going to try to call you. Um, not sure why I can't hear you and not sure why you can't call me. It's extremely frustrating. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to call from here and hope that it works to do this. Oh boy. Oops. And I'm going to hope that you guys can hear this because it's just going to be speakerphone. Hi, can you hear me okay? All right, well, but anyway, can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm not sure if everybody else can, um, but go for it. Like if we don't know our rights, we don't have rights. 
Uh, so I wanted some of your thoughts on that as well. Um, my thought is I'm getting a big no from everybody. They can't hear you. So as much as I extremely appreciate uh, your patience with me and trying to make this work and trying to share your thoughts, they can hear anything that you're saying, I guess. So, um, uh, I, huh. um, I guess I'm going to have to try some other time, but yes, I would absolutely be interested in, uh, being a constitutional attorney on your show and talking about constitutional issues. Um, I look forward to connecting with you later. Um, yeah, let's, let's, you and I connect later this week and I'm going to figure out how to try to make something work on this end because they, they can't hear you. And apparently, I, I don't know. All right. That, that sounds good. Maybe we can do a quick Zoom tomorrow. You want, you want I and Jeff and go from there. Sure. That sounds great. All right. Okay. All right, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> we continue. Yep. Have a great night. All right. You too. All right, guys, I tried to troubleshoot. I knew it wasn't going to be pretty. I didn't know that it was going to be um, uh, that horrid. Um, I have no idea what's going on. Let me go back to the chat. Uh, where do I have that open? Okay. Um, yeah, it wasn't on Bluetooth. Um, and uh, I guess I could sign. Let's see. Okay, um, we could hear it fine in studio. What systems are we using? Um, sound is not too bad. Um, constantly breaking up, yeah. That, the call that I just did in order for me to hear them was actually just my cell phone on speakerphone leaning up against my computer because apparently you guys can hear if I'm connected through um, my Google Voice app. That has worked the one or two other times that we've used it, but um, I wasn't able to hear it and it actually it wasn't even looking like it was connecting. It looked like it was still ringing. So um, at any rate, uh, please shoot any comments, questions, concerns, anything about the Constitution. Go ahead and do that right in um, the YouTube chat if you can. Otherwise, Lori will try to grab it so I could see it. Looks like Cynthia was saying she could hear both of us. Um, and somebody said they heard ringing. Um, and okay, so now there's four conservatives who love the Lord out of six on the board. So she was talking on Facebook about, let's see, that was Lapeer, Michigan, that they voted in four out of six new city commissioners uh, who are, sounds like, uh, Jesus-loving constitutionalists. So that's amazing. Uh, good news to hear, just like Green Township, Michigan. Uh, of course, I'm going to say a big shout out to um, the, the peeps of, of mine in Ottawa County, Michigan, who did amazing work starting in 2020. In fact, I want to say it was almost exactly to the day three years ago that now uh, chair of the Ottawa Board of Commissioners, but then just friend Joe Moss had this idea about Ottawa Impact. And we stayed up super late one night um, with both of our spouses falling asleep, standing up as we stood in uh, uh, his kitchen and talking after our small group, uh, our church small group one night about some of the logistics and how to make it work and some of the ideas. And it sounded amazing. 
Um, and uh, yeah, Lori is suggesting that I open voice via browser to be able to see if I can get some calls in. I can try that. I don't know that that's going to work, but we will um, we'll see what we can pull off with that. Um, let's see. I'll go ahead and um, see if I can get voice open. Oh, nope. It's also going to be the wrong... Um, going to be the wrong account here. So that's fantastic. Um, some people are unable to hear me. Well, that's even better. Uh, I, who's, I don't know. Lori, I guess do what you can to see about that. I'm trying to get, um, okay. Where are people having a struggle hearing me? I hate technology. Uh, did I get the right account opened? Nope, that is, that is the wrong. Well, if you guys wanna try, you can try calling our main office number just for tonight only. It's not gonna work anywhere for other reasons, but our office number is 616-303-0033. So almost the phone number you see on the screen, just replace the nine with a three and you'll be able to call our office number 616-303-0033. And we can see if that'll work. That's the only one I can get open in the browser besides my old cell phone number, which um, we won't try that at this point. Um, I'm going to... I don't even have Lori's number memorized. I was going to try to call um, from there, but um, Lori, uh, maybe you can give me a call. <laughs> oh, you can't probably. She can't call. Um, okay. So YouTube, it sounds like some people were having an issue being able to hear us. I don't know, guys. Um, let me tell you this. Let You know, if you want to try to call in, like I said, um, try to call in at 616-303-0033. Uh, my browser might prevent calls from ringing. Of course it would. Of course it would. So that may not work. You know, we'll, we'll see what we could do. Um, I would, if you want to throw your phone number in the chat, if you want me to call you, I can certainly try to do that. Um, and at the very least, through the browser, I would be able to hear you, maybe, who knows, we'll see. Um, none of the technology is working right, and it's not any one program either. Um, call me crazy, but I think this is evil at play here because you can't get, I mean, yes, you guys could just blame me and say, oh, she's blonde, she doesn't know what the heck she's doing, she doesn't know anything about technology, but if you knew my dad, you would, knew, you would know that he beat uh, technology into me from a young age because I had a computer at home from when they were like black with orange writing on the screen. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Um, so anyway, um, I, I, know, I know my way around uh, uh, my computer at least. And certainly I've used Google Voice for the last 
decade, so I know how that works. I'm a little bit new to OBS, but so far we've been able to make it work just fine. Um, actually, yeah, this would be the third or fourth time I've used OBS and uh, Google Voice has worked every time. So I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but if you want to try to give us a call, uh, try 616-303-0033 uh, today. And why is it kicking me out of? Fantastic. Okay. Oh, now it's showing me. Oh, that's nice. It does show me that he tried to call. It might actually work, guys, now. Um, so if you want to try the number on the screen, you want to try it? Can you try to call it? Um, Mr. Catherine Henry is going to try calling the number to see if it now works. Uh, let's see if the... Nope, chat still doesn't show up on there. That's fantastic. You can only have so many problems. I mean, if YouTube is doing two live streams at once and Google Voice isn't working and my internet issues are, you know, OBS is buffering. Oh, look at that. I figured out that it's working. Let's see. Hello, caller. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me now? I don't know if you guys can hear him. I can't hear him at all. So I'm going to You can't you can't hear me right now? <sighs> I got another call. Um hold on a minute because it could be the earbuds. Hold on a second, Mr. Henry. Hello, can you hear me? I hear you. Can you hear me? I can't hear you at all. If you can hang on one second. Are you there? I'm here. Of course, none of this is working. I've got you muted right now. Well, you can hear me. Are you there? Hello? Hello? I, I heard a voice for a second there. My microphone's not working. That's, that's... Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me now? I, I hear you fine. Okay. You can't hear me, apparently. I now can hear you, but I don't know that anybody else can because now it's just going to go and echo, if anything, through. It's coming out my computer no, speakers, and it's going to go in my computer speakers. I can hear myself. Um, it doesn't sound like there's an echo. There's just a little bit of a delay, but I can hear me. So your phone line's working again. Hey, at least there's that. So, whoops, that's, that's the delay. <laughs> I just muted it. All right, well, I will hang up so somebody else can call in then. All right, thanks for helping us try it out. Um, I assume this was Mr. Liberty Cause. It is. <laughs> well, you know what, since I'm here, I may as well tell you about something crazy I heard today. One more thing out of Florida, because it's always crazy in Florida. Apparently now the city of West Palm Beach or the county of Palm Beach believes that they own your garbage. There was a woman that was going around collecting um, food um, garbage from people, you know, leftover food, you know, you know, whatever, just food stuff, and putting it into a worm farm. The worms then create a fertilizer that she could sell. 
And the trash authority, the waste authority in Palm Beach decided, they sent her a letter and told her that she would have to cease and desist picking up people's trash, their, their food, their biological trash, because they owned it. So literally before something even becomes trash, they think they own it. That's just one more of those giant steps by government and no leaps by, by we the people. So I think it's about time that we stand up and tell them you don't own my trash. You know, you know? Yeah. But well, and yeah, that's the it's, thing. It's, that's insane. the thing. It's not, it's not, um, so it's not trash unless, I mean, it's not being discarded. So for me, if I want to, I'm not in, you know, Palm Beach, but um, if I want to, um, you know, I have stuff. In fact, I do. I have metal scraps. Uh, instead of putting our stuff out in the recycling, I have decided that um, there's a, a neighborhood lady that works hard at a scrapping business and that's how she gets by. And uh, so I've decided that any, all of our pop cans, uh, all of our, you know, metal scrap from different projects and things, uh, stuff rusts here like it's going out of style. So, you know, about every three seconds, we have a ton of new stuff for her. When my husband changed his brakes, we had a bunch of new metal stuff when he changed my brakes. So anyway, um, I put stuff in a tr trash can just for her to take. And according to what the government is saying in that um, situation is that once I've decided that I'm no longer going to use it, that I no longer then have the, the right to say where it goes or what I'm going to do with it, which is bullshit. Because if I decide I want to take it to uh, the scrapyard and get the money for it myself, I have the right to do that. If I decide I want to give it to somebody else because they then can take it to the scrapyard, then I have the right to do that. I have the right to direct where my stuff goes, whether it's garbage or not. So as long as I haven't put it out at the road, and, the, and in the case you're talking about, the lady uh, was not picking up stuff at the side of the road, which, by the way, is done all the time here in Florida. People go trash picking. People set stuff out for people to take. Um, it's oh, no. These people were they were they were bagging up and keeping their bio waste, you know, food, leftover food, stuff that you would throw away, and she would come and pick it up from them. You know, but from the way it sounds, it's almost like, you know, they're deciding what your garbage is before you do. Yeah, exactly. So I would say uh, Lato Law, he, Steve Lato, is an attorney in Michigan who uh, somebody had brought the story to him, and then he did a little video on it, I want to say, today. Uh, talking yes. about that, and I watched um, most of his video. I think I, I didn't quite go all the way to, uh, no, I might have gone all the way to the tail end today, but at any rate, um, he was saying, you know, well, you know, I think a judge would say that, you know, it's this or that, and let me be clear, and this is how I'm different than every other Michigan attorney, or quite frankly, probably every other attorney out there, is that I could just tell you straight up what it is, and the truth is, I own my stuff until I have decided that I'm giving it to somebody else or purposely discarding it in a certain way. And it's mine. It's mine. So if I have food waste and I've decided I want to give it to a, a lady who has a small composting business, I have the right to do that. And the county, I don't care what kind of problem that they have with it, they can shove it because I don't work for them and I don't owe them anything. I don't owe them my garbage. I, I don't owe them anything. 
So at any rate, that's the difference between me and them is that if I do a video talking about that news story, it's going to be, this is how the government got it wrong, flat period, the end of story. They need to fix this. And by the way, if I were her or better yet, if I were her attorney, I'd be telling her, no, your business isn't closed. You're not just because you get a phone call from some morons that don't know how to read the law or the constitution. It doesn't mean that you have to follow or abide by it. I would send them a cease and desist letter and say, screw you. I'm going to follow the constitution and I'm going to follow my God-given rights and utilize them and run my business, which isn't harming anybody or violating any law even. They're just claiming it is. So at any rate, that would be the difference between me and uh, some of these other attorneys who have shows that somehow get hundreds of, of uh, subscribers to them, even though they don't have a lot of the substance and, uh, and walk the, uh, oh, the middle line, I guess you could say all too often. But anyway, thank you very much for calling in. And um, yes, if you have a question tonight, oh, it looks like I did miss another phone call. So I'm gonna try to call back uh, a caller that we had just a little bit ago from an unknown phone number. Um, I don't think it's Florida or Michigan area code, but uh, Mr. Liberty Cause, thank you so much. And I'll look forward to seeing you in the chat. All right, carry on. Oh. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Catherine. How are you? Oh, I could be doing better as soon as I try to answer your call. It gave me another error message saying there's a problem with my mic. And I'm like, you know, if I could just do a one hour <laughs> show, that would be fabulous. But anyway, uh, how's it going? Great. This is also 420. Called you last week. Uh, you're coming in clear. And I thought last week went really well, really well. The technology worked a lot better last time, didn't it? Well, you know, um, I'm actually doing a documentary that dates back to 1967. So, and I filed for FOIA, uh, COINTEL Pro documentation, and it was extensive. The level that the government went to back, you know, over 50 years ago to spy on people that they considered to be dissidents. So, and and to thwart them. I mean, you know, it was amazing. I have flyers from the LAPD, FBI, J. Edgar Hoover himself. They were puncturing tires and doing all kinds of childish things to people. And, of course, things much more severe. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know so that I was on the radar with uh, uh, the FBI as early as April of 2020 because I was standing right next to some lovely little FBI agents and informants in the hall of uh, the Michigan State Capitol as we were there protesting the legislature trying to implement Governor Whitmer's executive orders as laws in the state of Michigan. So, uh, yeah, I was elbow to elbow with some of those scumbags. So um, I've been on their radar at least since then, for sure. So that's a good question. First off is, uh, are they obligated to give you a file on yourself if you do a FOIA request? Uh, the way the law works, the way the Constitution works, absolutely. They would be legally obligated to do that because above all else, they work for we the people. So how can we have a Republican form of government where we maintain the ultimate control and authority over any of them if they have stuff in secret and, um, you know, building, building a case, building a case for what that I'm 
trying to educate people about the Constitution and about their rights, I mean, by all means, bring it, baby. <laughs> and you have and you have to file for each and every agency. And there's some whatever 50 spy agencies now in the United States or whatever. Um, so my second question, it's a personal question. I got Shanghai and Shasta, California. My question is, is that I had video and eyewitness testimony that the uh, DA refused to accept. I got the judge to make the bailiff take my thumb drive one day. And I said, look, I had Catherine, I had my neighbor exposing himself in public repeatedly in front of his daughter, bragging about poisoning my animals, tackling me, speeding down the street, exposing himself repeatedly to multiple neighbors, caught on video extensively, and I'm the one who went to jail. And when I got the thumb drive, like I said, this judge who was railroading me, I was like, Judge, Your Honor, because it was the one time I spoke, because all the attorneys were saying, shush, shush, shush. And finally, I just blurted out on my own. And she made the bailiff take the thumb drive, hand it to the DA, and she said, if what you say is really on there, then none of these charges should have ever been filed. And then they went forward with it anyways, never acknowledged any of it, and that was it. They just swept it under the rug. Are they obligated to um, acknowledge my witnesses and video and enter them into evidence? Yeah, I mean, the procedure and how it works is uh, a different story. So, for example, if you have a thumb drive and you're bringing a thumb drive to court that has evidence on it and you're saying, you know, we, we want this looked at or, you know, it sounds like you wanted the prosecutor to look at it so they could see for themselves that um, the charges were not justified against you, but instead they should have been justified against your neighbor. Um, that's not how I would do it because that doesn't really put the ball in their court, so to speak. Um, what I would do is, like I did in my own case, uh, when Allegan County filed um, illegal, uh, unconstitutional charges against me, I filed a motion to dismiss. I ended up having to file, I don't even know, seven, eight motions to dismiss by the time the case was yeah. done. And um, I put videos in there. I had videos that I would put up on YouTube and put the link for the video right in the brief. I would put photos as exhibits, um, you name it. Um, all the evidence and lay out the arguments and explain very clearly uh, why that evidence leads to then a motion being um, that a motion needs to be granted. So in most jurisdictions, uh, there is no choice that if uh, if the law shows that the law is on your side and, you know, basically one of a certain number of things happens, like, for example, if the other side fails to state a claim upon which relief can be granted, which is a big legal phrase, I realize that. But uh, for example, um, if that's the case uh, and you file the motion saying, hey, you know, in Michigan, it would be a C, uh, I think that's a C8 motion, uh, 2.116 C8, if you're a Michigan rules of procedure kind of person, you wanna look that up or use that yourself. Um, but the same would be a hold true. That kind of motion would be available in federal court, it'd be available in state courts all across the country. Um, but if that's the case, then the wording says that the judge shall uh, enter the dismissal. Um, it, same mm. if there's, um, you know, no dispute as to, now in your case, their material facts were in dispute, but in a case where, for example, there's no genuine issue of material fact, and it's really just an issue of law, then um, it's the judge's job then 
to rule on a motion to dismiss. And quite frankly, it's their job to raise it sua sponte. If they're aware of a legal, that, that it boils down to a legal issue and that a case should be dismissed, then it's their job to be alert for that and thinking and, and hearing and listening and watching for that and then going, okay, so maybe ask the parties to, to brief the issue or something because, you know, there's a lot of bad counsel out there. There's a, there's a lot of bad attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's... It's not, just public, uh, it's not just public defenders because I will say as somebody, I have served as a public defender in two different states and huh. being a public defender didn't make me a bad attorney um, because there's a lot, I would see a lot of people raking in a lot of dough as a private criminal defense attorney or divorce attorney or whatever. And they were shitty at their jobs. They didn't know the law backward and forward, or they didn't care about their client's best interests. So um, just sure. being a public defender or some sort of court appointed attorney in some way does not at all mean somebody is a bad attorney. There's a lot of good attorneys uh, in those systems as well. But it, what it boils down to is we have law schools that don't teach about the basics of the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. What does the Constitution say? Screw what all the case decisions say. What does the freaking Constitution say? And then beyond that, what does the law actually say? Yeah, maybe eventually we'll look at laws. If there's actually an ambiguity in the law, we'll look at the cases, is what I meant to say. But you look at the, the Constitution, and then you look at the statutes, and you look at ordinances, if it's a local law type of a case, that kind of thing. But you look at what the Constitution says, first and foremost, in any case, civil or criminal, you start there, and then you go. Um, but the last thing you should ever look at is case precedent, because... It's, you know, judges don't make law. But anyway, uh, a lot of different things I just touched on all in one. one um. <laughs> you are a wealth of knowledge, Catherine. Listen, I could, I mean, it, thank you so much for your time. If I had to pay for that, you know, that would have been a lot of money. So thank you for donating your services to the greater cause. And i just like to say, uh, Leroy Truth, he was on your show, you know, on the chat last week. He did a call in last night, and I think, um, you know, because I want to build your channel, and uh, you are such an asset. It's not, it's kind of selfish. I want the, all the 1A people to be able to take advantage of this knowledge that you're sharing. And like you said, you bring a different angle to it than some of the other attorneys, which I appreciate, and you're very enthusiastic and well, well, you know, read. So, um, so maybe, you know, have your people look into Leroy Truth. I'd like to see you do a co-host with him and, and share your vast knowledge and i'll do whatever i can to share your channel thank you so much Catherine. i look forward to the next time yes absolutely and definitely uh 1a advocates out there i mean please let everybody know i'm here as a resource i mean that's why i do everything i do for free because i want to be able to share with as many people as possible if i get wrapped up in a case or two or ten then that's only one or two or ten people i'm helping Whereas if I step back and educate people and walk them through how to help themselves, uh, in theory, I'm going to be able to help a heck of a lot more people do a lot more freedom fighting that way. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's like to teach, teach them to fish rather than give them a fish, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so thank you, Catherine. I wish you the best. Yes, thanks. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. So uh, the lines are open. I'm going to touch back on. Oh, yes, I did forget. I forgot to switch over. Um, I did have. Uh...
I had a caller on the line. Uh, and so I, um, I should have, um, should have had that screen on, but I don't have a caller on the line now. So here it is. Call in now. If you have a constitutional question you would like answered, um, you can call us at 616-303-0093. Uh, let's see. Do we have more than one kind of law? That is a question from Donald Williams on YouTube. It looks like, um, and so it depends on what you mean by that, because a lot of people, they, they talk about the admiralty, I can't even talk today, admiralty law, you know, maritime law, uh, all whatever, uh, different things. And none of that has anything to do with our constitution. None of that has anything to do with the day-to-day -day laws that we deal with on a regular basis. We, um, there's, uh, laws about, uh, international waters and that kind of thing that has, again, nothing to do with 99.99% of the things that people are actually asking about. And, uh, that's going to be, you know, if you have an issue with your local city commission or, you know, your zoning ordinances or, you know, the county saying the, the county refuse authority saying that you, um, don't own your own trash, uh, all those kinds of issues. Uh, if you have an issue being pulled over illegally, um, or, you know, there's some sort of fourth amendment, uh, claim against a government agency that you have, all of those issues are going to be dealing with the U S constitution and most likely your state constitution, as well as, um, a, a plethora of federal and, uh, state laws and maybe some local laws. And not all laws are bad. So for example, did you know that 18 USC section 241, not 242, most likely that's not gonna help you, 241, 18 USC section 241 is uh, a federal uh, statute that makes it um, uh, punishable up to death actually uh, for people to conspire to stop you from exercising your constitutionally protected rights. That's a federal statute. So for example, if you're like uh, Governor Whitmer and you put, um, you illegally and unconstitutionally kept people locked in nursing homes and did not allow their loved ones to go and see them at the same time, you're purposely putting COVID positive patients in those very buildings, in those nursing homes. And then all of a sudden, wow, then all the people in the nursing homes are, are getting COVID and they're getting sick and they're dying of COVID. No. Oh, wait, really? I'm not a spicy chemist, unlike my friend from Ottawa County who was joining us in the chat earlier. Um, I'm not a scientist at all, but I do know how to rub two brain cells together. And having gotten straight A's in high school and college sciences, uh, I can tell you that, yeah, common sense and science would tell you that that's going to lead to deaths in nursing homes if you're putting COVID positive patients in there and then simultaneously not allowing their loved ones to check in on them and uh, care for them and take them out or bring them home or whatever the case may be. So at any rate, um, in that kind of a situation, um, she caused the death of people and from a wide variety of other, um, other avenues as well. Um, she shut down uh, domestic violence shelters. She shut down all kinds of other things that, uh, you know, um, cancer screenings and cancer treatments and, and other kinds of medical procedures were deemed non-essential for quite a period of time in Michigan in 2020. 
and people were not able to get the medical services that they need and they literally were dying because of her stupid, ridiculous, illegal and unconstitutional executive orders. And so that is a clear violation of 18 USC section 241. And she should not only go to prison for up to 10 years, as is mentioned as a penalty for that statute, but she could be put to death because she caused the deaths of others by trying to violate their constitutionally protected rights. So um, at any rate, um, there's all kinds of laws, but as far as one kind of law, if you can further expand on that question and I will see if I can pull up the, um, the chat. Oh goodness. Um, uh, this is a public service. It's so awesome to see you joining us. Um, Sorry guys, all of my YouTube chat disappeared. I had my backdoor methods of being able to be able to see what you guys are saying to me and uh, all of it disappeared except for the last four comments. So I can't see anything. Lori, if you could still see what people are saying and there's something I have not addressed, please throw it in that um, other chat that you and I have because at least that's still functioning. Um, all right, and yes, and yet Governor Whitmer is free and unaccountable. Kind of like when she told everybody in the state of Michigan that they can't go on vacation for spring break, but then she hopped on a chartered plane and flew down to Florida for spring break. Yeah, that was special. Or when she said that, you know, you're not allowed to have your boats and do all that other kind of stuff and uh, whatever, her executive orders about that. But then her husband was demanding to have his boat released from the marina in May uh, so that he could be out, you know, having fun on the lake, I guess, in Michigan. Yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, all right. So Fundamental Principles of Law by Charles Weissman is really good reading. Um, there's a lot of really good reading out there. And, and several people, many people throughout the, the last few years especially, have suggested to me all kinds of different books and articles and things to read. And I simply haven't had the time to dig into any of that. My favorite thing to read is the Constitution, and I read it over and over and over again, and I have it sit right here. I also keep the Constitution of the State of Michigan right here, and the Constitution of Florida is behind me. And um, I'm constantly going through different state constitutions as well as the U.S. Constitution, uh, and then I go to laws. I read laws after I read the Constitution because there are, like I said, not all laws are bad. There's some good laws out there. There's laws in the state of Florida, for example, that protect you and your property rights. For example, if you live in the state of Florida, please look up Florida Statute 70.45. If you live in the state of Florida or own any property in Florida, please look up 70.45. It's a one-page statute. It's not very long. It might take you times to read it, and that's fine, but read it. It's about protecting your property rights, and it's a statute that you need to know if you live in the state of Florida, 70.45. Um, another another uh, statute that is one of my favorites from the state of Michigan, 15.151. A lot of you have heard that already from me many, many times throughout the years. It goes hand in hand with Article, oh my goodness, Article um, 11, Section 1, Article 12, Section 1. I'm losing my mind. Um, anyway, the oath of office for all public officers and the statute in Michigan that I mentioned, 15.151, says that if you have anything to do with any kind of government position whatsoever, you need to take an oath before you can uh, start that position, whether you're paid or volunteer, whether you're a janitor for a school district, 
you're a school bus driver, you are uh, the governor of the state, a state legislator, it doesn't matter if you're working at all in conjunction with the government, you have to take a constitutional oath. Um, all right, so um, trying to get the county chair to call in. Um, yes, I would love to hear from the county chair and he's talking about the Liberty Cause lives in the county that I do and he's talking about the county chair of uh, Volusia County. Um, I'm assuming you mean of the county commission or what are they called? County council, it's so backwards here in Florida, but anyway, county council. Uh, yes, I would love to hear from him. Um, and what kind, so Donald Williams on YouTube is asking, what kind of law is the fundamental principles of law by Charles Weissman? I don't know if it's just been because of the crazy, ridiculous uh, issues we've had with technology. My mind's already blown, but I'm not, it's not sinking in exactly what your question is. So I'm not trying to avoid it, but I'm not sure how to answer it because I, I can't, I'm, it's not sinking in what your question is. Um, I'm glad to see that you're doing well, Foshin, and uh, that you're very busy. Um, yes, in fact, I'm guessing, uh, well, I don't know if cruise season is over, but I'm guessing you might have been driving around to my neck of the woods yet again today and uh, back to your neck of the woods. But um, hopefully we get to see each other soon. Uh, love to see my good freedom fighting friends. Um, what do I think? Cameron Rhodes on YouTube is asking, what do you think about gun insurance? UCCIA or any. Um, I guess I'd like to know a little bit more if you could tell me a little bit more about what your question is. Um, I mean, I don't like insurance of any kind. I think I get what you're getting at. Um, some of the programs out there where they, anyway, I, I wanna make sure before I go down a rabbit trail of um, answering a question you're not asking, if you can clarify that, that would be great. Um, and uh, evening from snowy Southwest Michigan. Hello, thank you for joining us from Southwest Michigan. Um, Amy is asking, can we discuss the New York City case with Bobby Ann Cox? Um, and Amy, I, you might have to refresh my memory because off the top of my head, I am, none of that is coming to mind. And I thought I'd been doing a fairly decent job of making sure every day I read multiple emails and notices that I get from courts. Uh, U.S. Supreme Court, Michigan Supreme Court, Florida Supreme Court, you name it, uh, trying to keep up with the various cases that are happening. And I, that is, I'm drawing a blank on that. So um, do you use, so Donald Williams is asking another question. Do you use reference for, do you, do you reference the maxims of law in your practice? You know what? Not sure what you mean by that either. Um, I, I tell you what I do reference, the Constitution over and over again. And state laws. Any of the other stuff that's extra and garbage out there, I don't need it. We, we don't need it. I do play their game. So I will cite to all kinds of administrative rules and regulations. I'll cite to cases. I'll cite to all kinds of things because, hey, if I've got it on my side, I might as well use it. But I don't rely on that because the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Um, Okay, so quarantine and the governor. Ooh, I did not know about, uh, I did not know that there was a New York City case about quarantine and the governor. Um, yeah, I guess I'll have to figure out a little bit more about that. If you have anything you can send over to us so I can see and, and read up on it and 
find more. I mean, I'll dig right on in and read whatever court documents have been filed. Absolutely. I would love to hear more about that. Um, and Don is saying civil versus natural versus admiralty, et cetera, maybe. Um, it, yeah, as far as the question of different kinds of law. And that's the thing. I mean, natural law, those would be, uh, our Constitution references natural law. God-given right. That's natural law. And um, that is something that is recognized all over in our Constitution. If you have any question about that, I have a number of shorter videos out about that. Um, but the most recent one I did was episode 19, which was, you know, all of eight minutes or so long talking about um, how our every single state, <laughs> virtually every single state in the entire country recognizes our God-given blessings, uh, things that come to us through natural law and our creator. And um, anyway, uh, that we form our government based on uh, an appreciation a gratefulness to those blessings. Um, all right. Anyway, as far as civil law, there's basically there's civil and there's criminal. Those would be, that's the dichotomy. There's civil and criminal. And then you have this administrative law, but I would say administrative law is entirely unconstitutional. Not, I would say, I have said, and I'll say it again, administrative laws, administrative agencies, completely, any acronym agency is 100% unconstitutional. Why? For the simple reason, if nothing else, just look at the fact that we are guaranteed in Article 4, Section 4 of our U.S. Constitution, a Republican form of government. And with a Republican form of government, we the people elect representatives to do the day-to-day -day functions of government, but we maintain the ultimate control and authority of our government. How in the hell are we supposed to be, be able to um, obtain and, and, and keep that ultimate control and authority and elect representatives to do day-to-day -day functions if the people that are behind the scenes, these thousands of people that are doing this day-to-day -day stuff in the FBI and the CIA and all these other acronyms, the EPA, uh, they're not elected, they're not accountable, and there's no Republican form of government there. So um, at any rate, um, William Logan says hello from Florida. Thank you for joining us. Amy says she's going to be join, uh, sending me a link. So I appreciate that. So I could follow up on that case that she's talking about. Um, all right, let me see. Um, Big Bad John, uh, what is the significance of the gold fringe flag in courtrooms? And is there anything sinister about it? As some people say. I'm going to say, I really don't know what the heck they're talking about. Um, I mean, the courtrooms that I've practiced in, there's no gold fringed flag. Now, I can't speak to every single courtroom across the United States, of course not, but I do not ever recall being in a courtroom where there's a gold fringed flag, so I can't even think of what one looks like. Um, so what its purpose is, I don't, I don't know. Um, the courts I practice in don't even have one. Um, okay, High Country Gold, thank you for joining us, um, says that... Uh, I have a case that needs to be discussed with you. I tried calling earlier, but we'll try calling again tomorrow. If you were the number that started, I think it was like a 509 phone number or something. I apologize. We've been having technical difficulties all night and uh, the lines are open now. If you'd like to call 616-303-0093. Um, let me see here. Um, curious if you think a convention of the states is our only real salvation. Of course you would do that to me, Foshin. Uh, no, I don't think a convention, I don't think we need to change the constitution. The only thing that is missing from the constitution is something that I don't think our founders ever thought remotely would ever be needed. And that is 
some immediate teeth, some immediate consequences built right in. So yes, you have to take an oath to the Constitution. Yes, you have to um, follow the Constitution. There's all these things in there, right? The Constitution is the supreme law of the land, but there is nothing that says exactly what will happen to you if you're found um, violating the Constitution. Give us oh, yep. Hello, caller. Can you hear me okay? Hello, are you there? Yes, can you hear me okay? Yeah, it, I I can. I'm watching your show right now, but it, it doesn't show like you're talking to me, which is interesting. Oh, uh, well, there is a little bit of a delay, I've been told. Okay, yeah, there's lots of weird glitches today on the internet. Yes, certainly on my end, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, on lots of people's ends. It's been really, uh, really interesting. So what, uh, what topic did you call to talk to us about today? Well, um, about five years ago up in Alaska, when I was up there, um, the city uh, decided that um, they were going to start harassing me because apparently, I guess they were watching me on Facebook. Uh, and they didn't like the fact that I was a very strong voiced Republican in support of President Trump. And eventually, they had sent uh, a resident, I'm not going to say any names right now, um, to come and stalk and harass me. He um, came into a public establishment is when it first started, and he tackled me and um, caused injury to my neck. And, um, and then they, uh, they, they gave both of us, they charged both, both of us with disorderly conduct. And um, he just came into the back door and tackled me. And I was sitting down talking to somebody during this. His wife was there. Apparently, she called him. He came from his home. And then he decided to come into the back door and tackle me. I yeah, found that out that like he's assault. a sick. That doesn't sound like disorderly conduct for either party. It sounds like assault on his part. Right. And that's when things got really interesting. Um, this was about a year and a half process. Um, they eventually got to the point where I had to, I got, had to get an order of protection um, against him. Now, later on that evening, when this, when this incident occurred, I went to my friend's house and uh, I called the police department at about midnight and I said, hey, I'm going back down to my boat. I was living in my boat. I had a real nice boat parked in the harbor. And, um, and I said, I just want to make sure it's safe. And they said, uh, well, we just got a call from the, the from the gentleman that had assaulted me that he he called he I guess he called the police department and he told them he was afraid he was going to hurt me and I was like, well, why didn't you do something about it? And they and she laughed. The the police dispatcher laughed. And so, and this got really bad. Um, they really destroyed my life. To the point where I got complex post-traumatic stress disorder because this is just this kind of stuff just went on far too long. I got an order of protection against him. He called me during the order of protection, and I and I reported that. And they says, "Oh, I think he was just being genuine. He he wanted to try and invite me to his property for Thanksgiving." Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, this just stuff just went on and on and on. Um. And then, so I was in the process of getting my captain's license and um, two U.S. patents. And that all got turned upside down. 
Um, I, I got, so right after it was during the order of protection, he came back in the parking lot again, multiple times. I called the police when he was in there harassing me in the parking lot where I parked my vehicle, paid parking for my boat. He had a friend that lived in an apartment complex right there, kind of on the property, but not. I tried to keep him out of there. The city said they, they couldn't, but, so I, but they said, call us anytime he harasses you. So they came there multiple times and nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, one day I had it. And there's a dumpster between my vehicle and the apartment. I wasn't supposed to go within so many feet of him and he was not supposed to go in within so many feet of me. So I'm like, heck with that. I'm gonna go to my own damn dumpster that I pay for. I paid, I pay, you know, money to park my car there. And he was yelling down at me and I, I threw down the trash and I had had at that point. Well, he came down all the way from the third floor down to the parking lot right in front of my face with two other men surrounded me he spit in my face and I had had it and I kind of just gave him a light little punch. I had had it with this guy. Then very next day, they sent down three officers down on my boat, banged on my door and arrested me up for assault and that screwed up my captain's license. And um, it really set things really back. I had already, a, a it, it, it cost me so much when this happened to me. Um, you have a, a constitutional question. I mean, it's an awful situation, but there sounds like so many pieces to it, but is there something that you needed me to kind of throw some constitutional yes. knowledge out about? Yes. Thank you for asking that because the story is way too long and I don't want to, you know, get into that. Um, how does somebody go about acquiring or affording a constitutional attorney to, to, um, help them out, you know, in these kind of cases. Well, that's, that's hard because there's not a whole lot of true constitutional attorneys out there. There's a few that handle very specific types of issues, but even some that have been seen as the saviors in in certain matters or in fighting against COVID or whatever the case may be behind the scenes, they're doing a lot of stuff that's still not understanding the constitution fully. So I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, that's where I know um, I myself feel, um, and I have another caller coming in. I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm gonna let you go for tonight. Um, mm -hmm. And so thank you for calling in, but I'm gonna grab this other caller and have them hold on a second so I can finish answering your question though, okay? So, oh, oh. all right, okay. thank you. Hello, can you hear me? Hey, Catherine, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, um, can you give me just one second? I just want to finish answering the question from the last caller about um, the constitutional attorney thing. Um, I um, So yeah, guys, if you, if you want a constitutional attorney, that is something I really wish I could help you with, uh, connecting you with uh, constitutional attorneys in any state, but I don't, I, I still haven't found, I mean, I'm still find, looking for a constitutional attorney to help me sue the crap out of Allegan County officials that, you know, beat me and uh, prosecuted me illegally and did all kinds of horrible things to me for two years until I finally got the case dismissed. Uh, and I haven't been able to even find an attorney that I would trust to handle that case yet. So um, at any rate, it's, I wish I had that availability. Um, that's why I'm trying to get out there and be willing to walk alongside other attorneys educate um, not only attorneys, but uh, government officials, law enforcement officers, you name it, because 
uh, I'm only one person and I want to be able to help as many people all over our country fight all of these freedom fighting issues. Um, and so shoot, I mean, if you guys want to donate, you know, millions of dollars to, uh, to me, I could start a law school. I can, you know, hire a bunch of lawyers and get them all trained on the constitution. I would do tons of stuff, but on my little shoestring budget, apparently I can't even afford, uh, programming and software that functions appropriately to be able to take calls without too much fuss. So, um, at any rate, um, I thank you to the last caller and I, I apologize. I didn't even get your name. Um, but thank you for calling in. And, um, I, you know, whatever materials that I have on my website, they're there for you to use as well. So don't always look for an attorney to help you. Uh, don't be afraid to dive right into your state's constitution, to the U S constitution, to your state statutes and use whatever, I have on my website as examples or as tools to be able to represent yourself. But um, now that I've answered that question to our caller that is now on the line, um, what is your name? Hi, my name is uh, Gabriel. Okay, and where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from New Hampshire. I, um, I've been following your show now, or your channel for about a year and a half. Okay. And uh, I, I just wanna thank you so much for everything that you published and uh, also for asserting your rights and sticking up for your rights and uh, making that go viral because that viral video actually brought me to your channel. So thank you for that. It's really, it's a breath of fresh air to see someone actually sticking up for the constitution. So thank you. Um, so I'll try to make this short and sweet um, rather because I don't want to hold up your line, but um, I just had some questions because um, I've actually been working pro se um, for like in a family custody case. And um, I've been dealing with a lot of local corruption because I'm in a very rural area. There isn't like a lot of eyes on our court systems here. So I think there are more flaws kind of being uh, brushed off, a lot of violations just kind of going in one ear and out the other. So I started researching uh, our in-state constitution and I'm noticing all these consistent violations. So what I did was I used um, like the Judicial Conduct Committee in our state, I used them to investigate these violations. And they took it very personally, I noticed. Um, after I mailed in all my information, I'd spoken with them on the phone to make sure I had everything accurate. But after I mailed it in, they, I'd call them up and, you know, I did you guys get it? Did this happen? I was just trying to make sure I went about it correctly. This was my first time. And they they got very upset with me, even yelling at me over the phone. And I'm starting to get concerned that basically I'm reporting a judge to the judge's friends, for example, because wow. it felt like they were all in one giant group together. And um, I'm noticing ever since that report was filed, there were other reports filed. I was encouraging others in the area to do the same because I'm hearing about all these horrible stories and the abuse from the system. And next thing I know, the judge resigns, which is great. However, all the problems he caused in the community remain the same. And um, everyone's now trying to go back to court and get them fixed. But the same year, we have a new chief. Our whole, we have a whole new street that's now been remodeled, redone. It almost feels like they're trying to mask all these issues that were there prior for so many years. So my question, I'm sorry, I said I'd be short about this. Uh, my question is, if the system and the, the chain of command that you're using to fix the issues in the system 
are kind of falling on more and more corruption, what do you recommend? Like to how how to proceed? Like how do you start with uh, holding people accountable when they're violating the constitution and your rights? Yes, I mean, like I try to keep a very very accurate paper trail, like um, citing Supreme Court cases, citing the constitution. Uh, in state and federal um, and all of that, but uh, I feel like it's just falling on deaf ears. And I, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm I'm playing within the rules more or less. Yeah. Trying to make sure I'm utilizing all the systems that are put in place to fix these issues. But I'm concerned that it's more of a front. Like, hi, we're here to fix your issues, but we're really not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what I, I feel. Case. Yeah, the, Sorry. so um, I would definitely utilize every single opportunity that you have um, at your disposal, whether it's through like a judicial tenure commission, which is that's the Michigan version, it sounds like, of what you were possibly using for New Hampshire. Um, you have, um, if it's a law enforcement agency, there's different kinds of like intra-department um, types of um, oversight and things that can be used. Um, if uh, if it's uh, an executive branch within the state, there's often, you know, something through the attorney general's office where it's an internal investigation, so to speak. Uh, there's all kinds of different procedures to use. Sometimes uh, your state law will spell out um, actual, you know, how you can file a complaint, how you can um, file a, a, a writ, writ of mandamus, or um, there, there's all kinds of different things that can happen. Uh, what I would do is not hold my breath on any of them, but I wouldn't give up on any of them. So, for example, in my case down here in Ormond Beach, when the uh, special magistrate, who's a retired circuit court judge, and the um, uh, the zoning lady that came, um, you know, with the whatever, trying to supposedly enforce the city code, um, and then the, the um, manager of that department, and then the assistant city attorney who all were part of this hearing in February and they're trying to violate my rights and, and they're concerted in this effort to get an order that, that they got, um, ended up issuing uh, an order saying that they could come onto our property, dig up our pavers, dig up our, our privacy fence, our two shipping containers out of our backyard, destroy all of our property in the meantime, if they cause damage to our house or whatever, it didn't matter. And that not only could we not sue them for damages, but we had to pay them to do that. And I have to pay them supposedly fines on top of that every single day growing exponentially. Um, that clearly violates so many aspects of the Constitution. I mean, the takings clause is like the most obvious one, but um, right to privacy, all kinds of other things. Um, but anyway, what I did is one of the things I did is I went on to our city's website. Now, this is very small potatoes kind of deal. But I, our city of Ormond Beach, I went onto our website and there's a way that you could file uh, police reports or, or you know, um, complaints against uh, crimes happening uh, right to the city's website. So they have refused to take police reports from me. And so I figured, well, if I do it through their system, I have a record. They can't claim, you know, I don't even have to FOIA. I can just get a copy of how the system automatically tells me that I've sent this in. And so I typed up, and you have limited characters, but I, I typed up this whole thing. I put it as a link right on my website and then just referred to that 
And um, I said, you know, you have um, the city attorney and the special magistrate and the zoning person and whoever else I listed. I said, you have these, you know, four or five people that have all committed these specific crimes. And I laid out exactly which statutes that they were violating. And I said, um, they need to be arrested because some of these are misdemeanors. Others of these are felonies. And, uh, and you know, so I'm filing this complaint. I'm asking for something to be done. Now, I filed that the beginning uh, almost eight months ago. It was the beginning of April. Now, have I gotten one single response from that? No. And I would love to have some uh, First Amendment auditors who are in the area uh, check that out and do some follow-up and try to figure out what the heck's going on with that. I mean, that would be phenomenal. But anyway, in the meantime, I wasn't going to hold my breath that they were going to go arrest the city manager or the, the um, city attorney or the special magistrate, but I did it anyway. And I also filed the same complaints with FDLE. And um, I don't even remember if I ended up getting to the point of filing it with the DOJ, but um, I'm going to because it's just one of those things that um, do I expect that there's necessarily going to be specific results out of any one of those situations? No, but I'm going to use every single avenue that's available to me to show that I'm doing everything I can to hold those people accountable. Now, one of the best things that you could do, like um, you were doing, just putting the pressure on and having other people put the pressure on, uh, you're getting the judge to resign. So having um, the ability to then vote in new judges. Uh, now, you don't always have good candidates that can replace the old ones, and so you're kind of at square one. But it's one of those things that you could do, um, just getting people informed. So back Many years ago, when I was fighting something happening, um, not in a Republican or Democrat kind of sense, like things have really turned um, political since 2020 for sure, but even long before that, in um, our small town that we lived in in Belding, Michigan, 5,000 people, uh, there was a lot of corruption, a lot of just bad crap going on, and I was hearing about all these people that I didn't even know in our community that were having their rights violated. And I just started speaking up at city council meetings. Hey, you guys, you can't be doing this. So I saw that you guys did this. By the way, this violates this particular law. And this is specifically how you can fix that. And I would give them ways on how to remedy that. And city manager didn't like that. So she put me on her hit list, so to speak, people she was going to come after. And I was right at the top. Well, guess what? She didn't make it past me. But anyway... <laughs> Um, we had a group of people, even in a town of 5,000 people, you know, we had 11 people that would consistently go during that period of tumultuous, you know, ridiculousness in that community. We would go to every single, every other week, go to every single city council meeting and speak about what was going on. We would be reading the meeting packets. We would be reading the minutes after they came out. We would be go. We'd go and be, we'd be, you know, prepared to speak during our three or five minutes or whatever you get in your community, and you work together. Um, and so, whether it's a small community and you just have a few of you, um, I mean, we made change. We went and we um, did a recall on one of the city council members, got him out of there, got a new one elected, ended up getting. Um, that city manager fired, um, you know, the good old fashioned way of having the, the new majority on the board, uh, on the city council board, um, vote to get rid of her. I mean, you know, in my law, I ended up having a lawsuit against her for going after me and that was still pending during all that. But you just take whatever avenues you can to utilize 
all the resources legally available to you. So you it sounds like you're on the right track. Is there a Staples Easy button? No, there really isn't. But you're doing all the things that I would do, uh, you know, to stand up for yourself, to be knowledgeable, to base things on the Constitution, uh, to inform others and educate others and encourage others to speak up and speak out. And that's really the best that you can that you can do in those situations. So hopefully that answered your question. I know it's not probably the answer you want to hear, but it's the one I got for you. So. No, no, it's it's actually it's great. Um, just showing me that persistence is really the path you need to take with this. It's just um, I kept thinking today in the middle of trying to do more research on this about what Ben Franklin said when he's just like they asked him, I said, what kind of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. So it kind of makes sense now because it's like it's all about maintaining and maintaining. And I'm seeing everyone just kind of forgetting. So it's been very sobering watching your channel and kind of waking up to all these, um, you know, these freedoms that we have that we just simply forget about. So um, just thank you for everything you're doing, Catherine. I appreciate it. Well, and thank you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for the support. Please let other people in your community and beyond know about what I do and the resources I have available. Uh, certainly we have court documents on there. It's not necessarily a copy and paste from one jurisdiction to another, but it's at least a good starting point. And um, when I get enough time, I'll continue to put, you know, another 20 years of practice of documents on there um, so people can continue to, to utilize that information. But um, in the meantime, yeah, you use what's on there and, and spread the word. Awesome. I will. I will. Thank you so much, Catherine. Yes. Have a great night. God bless. All right, guys, um, I want to take a look. We're already a little bit longer than I wanted to uh, take up of your evening tonight, but of course the first half hour was nothing but technical difficulties. Um, looks like we've had quite a few comments coming in, so I'm going to try to see what I've got here. Um, oh, and we got another call, so let's see. Hello, Florida caller. How are you tonight? I am great. How are you? Um, I'm doing better now that technology is working a little bit better for me. Yeah, I kind of, that was kind of, I have to admit, a little entertaining <laughs> because I hate technology as well. And so I wasn't laughing at you, but with you, the idea that when things don't work, they just don't work. And it's frustrating. Yes. So I'm glad you I, got it up and running. At least I wasn't trying so to file I, a brief. Uh, and rushing against the time clock and then encountering technical difficulties. Those oh, I've had before as well. So, Like e-file? The worst. The absolute worst. Yes. Is that what you're talking about when you're trying to file it through the e-file system in Florida? Yeah, well, any system, anywhere. It's uh, just... Yeah. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Something always Horrible. happens. So, I, um, to the, after the last caller, I... Uh, just a quick suggestion that he go outside the agency that he is having an issue with or or branch of government. I think it was the judiciary is having a problem with. He could also always go to if that judge is elected. And I think you may have touched on this. He could also go outside of that into I'm sure they have an ethics uh, commission on the elected officials that they have. So if that judge is elected, he could go that avenue, the governor's office, go that avenue. I think you pointed out DOJ. I just wanted to just drop that real quick. But um, my question, first of all, I want to say good luck finding a good attorney, a decent, an attorney that's, how about this, conscientious. 
but also a constitutional attorney. I spent years looking for one, could not find one, of course, yourself excluded. Um, but my question to you is, and I have grappled with this for years, is this idea of the Constitution and our right to the courts and then these procedures that are put in place. And when I talk about procedures, of course, I'm talking about the court rules. And the court rules from the Supreme, you know, outside the federal, including the federal, but state system, say. So they come down from the, okay, Florida. Florida State Court, you know, Supreme Court puts in the rules and they, you know, they all, they vote on it, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes out, trickles down. Then you've got your local rules. Then you've got your actual county rules. Then you've got your judge's own rules. And I wanted to know your take on the Constitution versus these strict procedural rules that even though they come out of I imagine we're going to call like the Florida Supreme Court a constitutional court since it was from our constitution of Florida, correct? Right. I guess we should start there. Okay. So having said that, how how do you feel about these strict procedures? So for instance, a 30 day deadline on an appeal, if you do not file a notice of appeal before 30 days of a final rendition order, then you're done. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not a fan. So, um, sorry, I just realized I didn't have the right screen showing. Um, I'm not a fan of the, um, you know, the whole concept of all these layers of rules. So there's also internal operating procedures and, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, um, like administrative rules. Yeah. There's court rules within the court. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's court rules at different levels and the local rules for different jurisdictions and all kinds of things. And it's it's overwhelming, even as an attorney, it's overwhelming. Um, and of course, they go by, you know, case precedent and, you know, hardly look at the actual statutes or the Constitution. Um, when I wrote the Restore Freedom Initiative, which was a constitutional amendment petition for the state of Michigan in 2020, trying to, first of all, address the COVID stuff, but then address this other all these other freedom fighting issues. Um, I specifically had a portion in there that addressed what the law was and what it wasn't. And it flat out got rid of administrative law. It flat out got rid of, um, you know, all of that other garbage. Certainly you can't be regulated by, um, or, you know, um, have your procedures keep you out of court, for example, from an internal operating procedure or something of that nature. So, it right. makes sense to have court rules to a certain degree, but Absolutely. At, the, at the same time, um, if it's something that's going to, you know, preclude people, it, they're so overwhelming and they're often conflicting mm-hmm. and they're not very clear, you know, there's fighting about, mm-hmm. you know, which rules apply in which cases and it's, it's not clear. Um, that part it's it's not i mean it's clearly not okay because in a constitutional republic we the people have ultimate control and authority and we have oversight over our government and how can we possibly have oversight over our government if we don't even know what rules they're trying to make us play by exactly and so how what do you think the best way would be to not necessarily get around that but argue that based on these really strict timelines that you put in 
are not reasonable. And and by the way, kind of arbitrary and capricious in the sense that, I don't know, 30 days? Like, why 30 days? Why not 29 days? Why not 31 days? You know what I mean? Like, why 30 days? Yeah. So I mean, and I'm sure there's a reasoning behind that. But again, if it's going to preclude somebody from being able to, especially when there's a constitutional protected right involved, right. from having a review of that case. Sometimes you're not ready as a as a human being, right? Having been through probably what you what you're like what you're going through now, yeah. uh, on the trial level, emotionally, physically, financially, ready to to go forward with an appeal and then trying to get through all those rules and the layers and what's a final and what's a non-final that's appealable and what's not and what's, you know, I mean, honestly, and when is the actual date when it's rendered, it's rendered in quarters, it rendered when it's filed with the, with the clerk, which of course it's with the clerk. But now that there's this thing that's going on with the clerk's office, that things are going, going, being e-serviced, but they're not showing up on the clerk's page of their docket if Correct. you will. Yeah. And, and so what, what is that a problem for you as well? I've noticed that in my case here in Florida, but that's new to me because in, in Michigan, when it's e-served, it's e-served. I mean, it's, it's filed there. I mean, everybody has the same freaking system, the court, the prosecuting attorney or whatever, the, the two private attorneys, whatever it is. Um, there's not like this separate shadow system, which yes. I, I still don't understand why in Florida you have your e-filing system when you file something and then somehow the court staff still has to accept it and put it in their system. So the judge doesn't see what you have filed until other people do stuff to further file your case. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why is there a gatekeeper? Because they tried to say that I couldn't file my appeal because of all kinds of different reasons. They're coming up with all kinds of different things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not well, the, doing this. The clerk did? Oh, the, the clerk's clerk office. Thing? Yeah, there was, yeah, I don't even remember what all the issues They're were. not allowed to say no. Yeah. Their job is just to take what is given them. Yeah. Unless there's something like really deficient about it. You know, like it's on a rock or something, right? Yeah. Well, like one of the things is in an appeal, uh, you in Florida, you have 10 days to file the notice to the court reporter of getting your transcript and all this other stuff. And um, especially if it's one of the cases where the court, uh, there's no real lower court. And so the lower court's not responsible for transmitting the record. You as the appellant are responsible for doing that. Um, yeah. You know, so anyway, that you have only 10 days to send that notice. And the thing is, you can't file it and do what you got to do without having a court file number. But if you first, you know, had your documents all filed through their e-filing system and they didn't in their shadow system uh, yeah. continue to file it, then you're not spit out a court file number. And so I waited three weeks and still didn't have a court file number. And all of a sudden I'm like, listen, people, chop, chop. I, you can't make me uh, have my case be procedurally kicked out and, and thrown out because I didn't do... You know, I didn't meet these deadlines because I couldn't right. because you didn't give me a court file number and right. I needed to file a motion for a stay. I can't file a motion for a stay if they don't give me a freaking court file number. So it was okay. a nightmare. That's crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, that's crazy. That's it. So as far as the question goes about, you know, in general, as the time frames and like 30 days, 
30 days is really short. Now, I understand the concept of giving people a time limit on filing right. an appeal because you don't just have one party. You have more, you know, multiple parties involved in things, even if they're not named right. parties. You might have neighbors that are invested in a situation that aren't named parties, for example. But you want to have finality to decisions. You want to have permanence. And you want things to not linger on in the court system forever. So in theory, um, there is much benefit to having uh, a shortened, you know, time frame within which that appeals have to take place. But they also have to be reasonable because, like you said, 30 days, 30 days is a very short period of time. And, you know, people need time to come up with the attorney's fees or they need to be able to figure out the court rules to file things on their own. I mean, I know for me... I was extremely anxious and overwhelmed with all that I had to read. The amount of, of page, I mean, all the binders behind me, I can't figure out which direction I'm supposed to lean, but all of those are all Florida. They're all Florida right there. It's all court oh. rules and uh, statutes. And, you know, I mean, I probably printed a thousand statutes in Florida that have some bearing oh, yeah. on my case. And there's so many cross-referencing. There's so, yes. so in other words, you know, we've gotten away from black and white. What are what are the rules? What you know what I mean? We're supposed to be able to know, like you said, what rules are we playing by, and are we all playing by the same rules? Because there is a problem now. I'm, I and again, I've noticed this thing with this email thing. So I'm not a big fan of email. So if I'm not getting the email that's going back and forth, or I'm not included in a back and forth between a JA, which is a judicial assistant, I'm, I'm sure you know, a JA and opposing counsel, then I'm out of the loop. I should never be out of the loop right. when it comes to something that's been filed. Something's been filed with the JA, what? No, if it's not on the docket, it hasn't been filed. And the other issue for me is this whole idea that judges don't write their own orders. They have one of the counsels write the orders and i will tell you i have yet to have an opposing counsel write a correct order an actual an order an accurate order of what was ordered in court and never mind the timeliness of it right so there just seems to be this uh informal delegation yeah. of uh, of the duties of and the judiciary itself within to, a good old boy network yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. But, but yeah, whoever's having, whomever's having lunch with, you know, that's, yeah, that's the way to go. They're the right ones. They're the, so I just was, I was curious about how you felt like the constitution applies to these strict procedural requirements. And if you've ever heard of, or have ever been able to get around, around or through, or however you want to phrase it, um, with an argument that, you know, because it does, it does also go back to access to courts. Um, you know, my right to access the courts is being, is being, uh, stifled right. by these again. Oh, so on day 31, I'm no longer allowed to have my right in court now, right. you, you know, right. and I'm, and again, I'm not, I'm not sure that a court wouldn't just, you know, if you had, some, they give you that out with the, uh, um, what negligence, uh, the excuse you have, um, what is it? Reasonable cause or I forget the phrasing now. Sorry, it's late today. But anyway, so I was just wondering if you've ever seen a constitutional issue come up with the actual procedures of the court. 
Yeah, I mean, I've certainly raised them myself, but um, I mean, yeah, I got so many thoughts rolling through my head. I don't have specifics to to go yeah. down to that, but I've definitely yeah. been raising them myself for sure. Um, so it's yeah. worth it's worth continuing that. I would at least attempt to chip away at. Yeah. Hey, you know. Because it is a right to access the, the courts, and it seems to me right out of the box, you're refusing access. Like, In most state constitutions, although state Supreme Courts are the ones that promulgate their, their court rules, but most state constitutions, which are supreme to the court rules in their state, right. most state constitutions guarantee um, their citizens um, access to court. So, right. you know, I would cite to that, uh, you know, as the main reason for how and why is it unreasonable? Why is it, why does it end up constituting a denial? But um, it looks like I have quite, quite a few other questions yes. that I, I haven't been able to answer yet. So I should probably. No, please. Thank you. I appreciate the time. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And thanks for calling in. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. All right, so Google wants me to rate the call. Um, all right, so um, let's see here. So I'm going to switch to something. Give me a second. Um, I'm just throwing up the First Amendment next to me, just so I don't have anything else next to me right now. But um, we have some questions that were posed earlier, if you guys are even still on. Um, are we allowed as we the people to direct our federal and state judges on cases we support or do not support? Or is that harassment? Now, they've said, you know, they make all kinds of rules that, you know, it's a crime to picket in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, for example, or to, you know, let judges know where you stand on things or whatever. If it's a personal threat, of course, I can't start answering questions. <laughs> so... All right, hang on a second, guys. Let's let's get this caller. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. This is Leroy. Yes. Uh, hopefully, people will be able to hear you much better than the first time I tried to make this work. So, <laughs> excellent. All right. Well, good to connect officially now. And I was in a meeting, so I didn't hear much of the show, but just sort of a few minutes. And again, what you do is awesome. And I look forward to seeing 240 and 2,400 and 240,000 on your on your shows in the future, because be you great. have you have what people need to to know and and education and knowledge is gold and it's nectar and it's how we can assure we create freedom. Absolutely. Knowledgeable people have the tools, and we are for the most part a very ignorant society. Yes. And. And myself included, I mean, I've been in this for years, but I know a fraction of what I need to know. And so I'm learning every day. And I do have a question for you. In, and for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Leroy Truth. I have a YouTube channel called Leroy Truth Investigations. And please subscribe if, if you're not a subscriber already. And I am a passionate freedom fighter, police reform activist, government accountability activists. And as I've been growing in my journey on my YouTube channel, and I've had it for a little less than a year now, I've met numerous other people who also have channels and many of them get arrested. 
And one of the challenges, this is a question for you, Catherine, is, is that they get arrested and many of the people, they, they have records, they are ex-felons. And one of the commonalities that, that we all have and, and share together is why do we do what we do is we were created by the system and our interactions with police or law or prison system, whatever it may be, we were created by the system and we saw profound injustices and then each in our own way, we take action to, 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 and I don't use the word attempt to change it. I'm committed to changing it. Right. And I also know I can't do it alone. We, we, you know, we, all of us need to come together playing our parts in this. Yes. Now, we numerous friends of mine have been arrested. They don't have a lot of money. And once they're in the court system, they're screwed. And because most of them rely on public defenders. And there's a good friend of mine who I met over the last six, seven months. And he used to be in the system and drug addiction and so forth. And he got clean changed his life, this is his addiction now, is holding accountability, holding the light of transparency to police malfeasance. However, he gets arrested all the time, well, you know, for what? For recording, completely unlawful arrest, but because he doesn't have the money for legal counsel other than public defenders, he took a plea bargain about six months ago or so. And however, he gets arrested again. Why did he get arrested? Because he was filming a police car and the license plate and some bystander, regular public person, Karen, she called the cops. That's, that's what he did. He's going to jail for nine months now. And he, because he took a plea bargain, he could, you know, couldn't get arrested again. And the plea bargain was because he was filming legally, but the judge didn't see it like that. And so, I'm I'm looking to create something with someone like yourself, some type of network that people who are doing this type of work can number one get guidance on how to do it as effective as possible, and also if they do get into the system, what kind of support could there be legally for yeah. them? Yeah. And you know, can we create a network of people who work on a retainer or something that we all pay in collectively to or something? Because I, I see this happening again and again. So. so I would love to be a part of something like that. The problem for me is, um, again, if I'm tied into a particular case, then I, I, I don't leave clients high and dry. So, I, you know, I'm there and I'm, you know, invested in the cases and I, I take them personally. And whatever kind of case I have, whether I was serving as a public defender for simple misdemeanors or I was handling a divorce case or a bankruptcy or a juvenile delinquency or child protection or you name it. Um, I, I, I'm invested and I spend the time and um, it's, it's very time consuming. And so for me, I think what my skills and abilities would be best utilized for is if we could get some, whether they're just new attorneys, whether they're just attorneys that are you know willing to branch out and learn, but they just don't feel comfortable, you know, uh, opposing, you know, going against the grain, uh, and, and really defending the constitution the way that we should. Um, my, my bread and butter or, you know, I could really shine 
in an area where I can come along and coach other attorneys on how to do things, where I could be more in that, if you want to call it a supervisory position, where I'm not the one yes. who's the lead counsel of record on cases where I'm having to do all the laborious paperwork and file this motion and file that motion, but I could be the one to help brainstorm. And Okay, what about this? Did you talk about this? What about the Fourth Amendment? Did you raise this issue? What about that Sixth Amendment issue? What about the Eighth Amendment? You know, if, what about this court rule? What about that statute? And, and be able to help people um, and, um, and really, you know, be that person pushing and going, okay, no, I know this isn't how you're used to doing it. I know you didn't hear about this in law school. I know other attorneys that, you know, don't think this way, but we got to start fighting back and we got to base it on the constitution. That's what I really feel like I would be called to do. Not so much representing one person here at a time, um, you know, I, there is somebody who started, a, a, I guess he started like a GoFundMe or something to get me licensed down here in Florida. And so obviously if he raises enough money to do that, then I'll take the bar exam and I'll definitely have to answer his calls. <laughs> but um, <laughs> right. he's also somebody that's been there um, right at my doorstep if I need him to, you know, stand on top, park his car on top of my pavers. So the city can't come illegally and unconstitutionally scrape them out of the ground that day, you know, or come and film court, uh, court hearings for me. Um, you know, so I have, they know somebody's watching. I mean, at my, at my special magistrate hearing in February that before we even got on the record, the special magistrate looks at Liberty cause and he looks at, um, uh, whatever his, uh, YouTube name is. Um, um, whatever, uh, this is a public service, uh, looks at both of them and, and sees both of them with their cameras and says, what is this for? An appeal? And I said, yes. <laughs> so he knew. <laughs> he knew he was being watched and for that purpose. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, the more that they know, the more the government officials know, the more that the courts know, the people are watching and it's not just one person. It's, you know, whatever people can fill the courtroom or fill a city council meeting, for example. But it's also knowing that it's going to be filmed. It's going to go on YouTube or Rumble or Facebook. It's going to get out there. It's going to go on TikTok. You know, that's the kind of stuff that matters. And um, and so anyway, um, uh, I would love to be able to partner up with that, but I'd love to be able to spread my my experience and my know-how and whatever, my passion uh, for fighting for justice. I'd love to be able to spread that beyond just the amount of clients that I myself can handle in my own right. law firm. You know what I mean? I, I absolutely agree with you because we all have our calling. And the Liberty Cause and I were talking about that earlier. You have yours. Yours is macro. These other lawyers need to be educated in constitutional law and grounded in that on how to represent their clients best. So how can you clone yourself because we don't have this cloning capability to do that in a test tube as far as I know, who knows with AI, but that's the closest way you can clone yourself yeah. so that you can, you can do scalable work. So I, I love that idea. And I, I, again, I love to continue this conversation and, you know, to see how we can, you know, build the, the new infrastructure that's necessary. Absolutely. And there's so many layers to it. So. Yes. Was that the main right. part of your question? I don't want to cut you off if you if you had more. I otherwise I was. Oh yeah, that's the main part of the question. And and then also just wanted to share that I 
started a group called the Army of Freedom. And so for all the listeners here, you know, if it's okay to share this, Catherine, here, to uh, tell a bit more about it. Sure. I, I do want to answer some of the other questions from people, but go, go ahead real quick. All right. So very briefly, is I started the Army of Freedom, and you can join for free at this point at thearmyoffreedom.com. And the focus is to organize people so that we're not just watching videos on social media and getting upset and commenting and wanting things to change, but not actually changing anything because politicians aren't paying attention to that. But to organize us in a very strategic, focused way on who are we calling, what are we saying, who are we emailing, what social media posts are we going to be posting to very precisely and in mass to pressure and educate politicians to do our bidding, basically, to to change things as we the people want them to be, not how they want them and banker interest to be. So I just wanted to share that briefly. There's more information on my website. If you go to thearmyoffreedom.com, you can sign up for the email list and I'll give you more information. It takes 10 seconds to join. And uh, just wanted to share that as well. So thanks for the opportunity, Catherine. Yep, absolutely. And I look forward to connecting with you later on. All right, sounds great. Okay, enjoy your show. Thanks. Yes, thanks. Have a great night. All right. So let me see here. Um, I'll just throw the First Amendment back on there uh, so I can get back to some of these questions. So one of the questions that was asked a long time ago, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was somebody from Rumble, actually. Bones Mama One, maybe. Um, so hopefully you're still with us and you can hear the answer being provided here. Um, but I think this was your question. Are we allowed, as we the people, to direct our federal state judges on cases we support or do not support. And uh, what I wanna let you know is um, that there are federal and state laws that often preclude us from trying to um, protest or picket or contact judges in some sort of way to let them know. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's um, stuff out there to stop us from doing that, but I think that's inherently unconstitutional. Now, is it going to be an easy fight to um, uh, to get out of if you're charged with trying to interfere in some way, shape, or form, uh, you know, uh, with a judicial proceeding because you're trying to let a judge, hey, in this kind of a case, you know, we the people expect that you're going to follow the Constitution and do X, Y, Z. No, I think we need to do that. Now, it, not, it needs to not be threatening. It shouldn't have anything to do with the personal residence of a judge or justice. Um, but, you know, like when the Dobbs decision was leaked, um, you know, a month or so prior to when it was finally released and there were, um, you know, death threats and all kinds of, you know, protests being made at the personal residences of the justices, that stuff's not okay because that is menacing, that is threatening. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that stops justice from happening. So whether we agree with the decisions or not, you know, that's a whole new level of no. Um, but anyway, um, as far as sending letters, like when the, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of what their name is, the brothers that were involved with trying to get their case uh, heard, I want to say that they even put it together themselves. I'm totally blanking on all the facts of the case, but it, it was this big social media campaign, big on uh, Telegram and some of the other, you know, off brands of social media, but they were um, Brunson brothers, maybe is that what it was, but um 
anyway, they were trying to bring their case to the U.S. Supreme Court and do all these things. And so they were asking people to send in letters and they had this form letter and they're asking people to, you know, print the letters off and mail them and do all this kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that I don't know how effective it really is, but I'd say go ahead and do it. I mean, make calls, uh, you know, send, you know, do social media posts. Um, you know, if there's ways to tag certain government agencies or courts or things like that. Um, definitely if it's a smaller court, you know, you're talking about um, a local county court, for example, and they have a social media site and you could tag them and you could start commenting on all of their posts about things. Let the public really know. Have people go in and be there in person. Have people watching. If all of a sudden there's this thing coming up and they're doing hearings by Zoom or YouTube and they say, man, we've been getting like two or three people watching and now we have 500 people watching this hearing. They know you're watching. They know the public is there. I would always say it's better to show up in person, wear a shirt with the American flag, have a don't tread on me, have something that says I stand for freedom and you're not taking it away from me. Have something that says, remember, this is a constitutional republic, not a democracy, not a dictatorship. You know, anything like that, um, letting them know that you're there and you're watching um, it's very important. It's very important that we let them know along the way and not just, not just in elections to replace them or whatnot. Um, okay. I'm trying to go through and see, um, uh, it's my life. I think that might've been the YouTube, um, name. How can we, the people get all courts video and archive, um, for the public access 24-7? That is a phenomenal question. I think every single case, number one, let's be clear, every single government proceeding needs to be open to the public physically. There needs to be a way that you could go in to see every single you know, state legislature meeting or your local county commission meeting or city council or whatever it is. Um, you also need to be able to go in and see all court cases unless there's a very rare exception, something going on, you need to be able to walk in and see a public proceeding. Uh, just as a member of the public without, you know, big to do and without masks and every, all, all that other garbage. Um, but also it's important that they are live streamed and that those live streams are a feed that people can then turn around and download or copy or utilize or archive themselves. For example, in my case, they were live streamed, but the judge immediately on my hearings alone, not his other ones, he would, the second the hearing was over, he would pull it down and you couldn't see what happened in the hearing. And during the course of it, if you happen to be doing a screen share or screen recording, uh, he had on there that it was, you know, you're, we weren't, you weren't allowed to record it or things like that. And then when I would pay the $20 per hearing to get a copy of the DVD from the court to do it their way, he then would eventually release them to me saying that I had no right to share them with any other person for any reason whatsoever. Total garbage. I even filed a motion about it and then my motion was denied. And then the court, uh, the, the next court up dismissed my appeal without even telling me I've never gotten an order from the court saying my appeal was dismissed or why it was dismissed. At any rate, it's a whole big thing but it's an effort that needs to be done. We need to have laws in place. We need to, I, I, what I would say is that we need to do things like what I had put together in 2020 and get constitutional amendments passed where we have access, true access to courts and legislative hearings and other proceedings in government where it's in the, written in the constitution that there's 
there's FOIA things, you know, freedom of, infor of information, that there's access to um, all kinds of government documents, that the government has to put those in some actual, tangible, searchable, common sense way right on their websites and have the video and have the, uh, you know, agenda packets or the court documents or whatever it is just available for the public without having to pay anything. That is all something that needs to be done. And the best way to do that is in your state constitution, because if you just pass a law that says that, guess what? Look at the Michigan legislature, for example. You finally, after 40 years, have Democrats controlling every aspect of state government in Michigan, and they have wasted no time undoing all the somewhat good things that the craptastic Republicans that were in office all these years finally managed to do. Things like, you know, right to work and, and other things, all those are just gone gone. Prevailing wage and all these other things that the Democrats have been fighting for, now it's just all back in place because all it takes is one election away to change a law. So having a state law isn't the best way to go about some of those fundamental freedom basics. That's why I would get them put into your state constitution. And there's different ways to do it depending on which state you're in. So if you're in a state like Michigan, for example, you have the ability to create your own petition as a citizen and get that circulated and you, you get close to a half million good signatures, then you can get that on the ballot for the next election. And there you go. Now it's an uphill battle, but I mean, shoot, I've, I almost accomplished my, that myself, starting with, um, zero dollars and writing it in seven days, in less than seven days. Um, let me, uh, see here. Oh, yes. Um, I have a good freedom fighting friend who wants uh, some information to, um, yeah, to run with. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, what are some of these other questions here? Um, have you done a post about how to bring a civil rights suit, especially when someone is arrested while uh, filming law enforcement? If not, can we do that going over the basic steps and what to enforce? Um, that is something, let's see, I'm going to, um, I'm actually going to make myself a task about that. Um, because no, I haven't specifically talked about that. It would be, uh, different for, um, different jurisdictions, etc. Um, but I am making myself a note right now about, um, how to, you know, maybe get people going in that, uh, in that concept of, um, how do you file a civil rights lawsuit? And, and really it depends on what jurisdiction, because for example, for me to file something in, uh, against, uh, in, in Michigan, because of where it was, it was in Allegan County and it wasn't just the sheriff's department and the prosecutor's office. It was also two district court judges and a circuit court judge. So lots of people in all aspects of county government there. And so can I bring a lawsuit in state court? Hell no, I need to bring it in federal court. But what if it were the other way around? What if it was, um, you know, if it was state police, for example, or something of that nature, I might wanna actually bring it in state court depending on the different options available. So there's not a whole lot of specifics I'll be able to provide, but I, I hopefully I'll be able to figure out how to walk you through some of those decisions and how you would file that and what that looks like. And again, civil rights, what rights specifically, um, depending on what, if it's a, it's a federal lawsuit, there's all kinds of federal statutes. Um, there's all kinds of torts 
which are, you know, not so much um, in statutes, but they're um, things more, you know, in common law and, uh, you know, whatever. So there's all kinds of things that, that you know, it's not going to be as easy as it might sound to give you answers on that, but I, I definitely will look into how I can try to get some of that information. Um, what is the highest jurisdiction the people can stand in? And I'm not sure what question, I don't I don't know what the question really means there. Um, jurisdiction, more talking about courts. Uh, I don't really know what you're getting at there. Um, as far as just general authority, we the people have control and authority over all aspects of government, you know, all levels, federal, state, local, uh, everything in between county, you know, whatever, municipal. Um, anyway, um, somebody else is asking, I was wondering about the concept of consensus. There are millions of us watching court proceedings throughout the country, hoping someone will rule with the majority just once. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I think that maybe went hand in hand with the question I was asking earlier about how we, the people, can we influence judges or justices on certain cases? Can we tell them how we, the people, expect them to rule? That kind of thing. Um, they're bringing many people uh, together to make shows for the people. We don't watch the news anymore. We come here. Okay, so um, it looks like Badlands Media was one of the uh, resources that this um, Rumble person was sharing. So we'll definitely look into that. Um, okay. Um, lots of different comments. Sorry, guys. I'm just trying to go through here. We had Sharon Spicer commenting on Facebook. Um, and, uh, let's see. Okay. So this is a public service decided that he wanted to ask me the question about con convention of the States. And then we had a caller call in right after that. Um, there, I don't think we should do a convention of the States at all. It's not our salvation at all, let alone real salvation. We don't need to change the constitution. Like I was starting to say before we got a caller, when I was um, trying to answer this before, the only thing wrong with our constitution is having the teeth about if there is, um, if, if you have a, a public official that is violating the constitution, then what are the ramifications? What immediately happens? So if you guys take a look at my website, restorefreedomkh.com, if you look for, or just type in a search bar, Restore Freedom Initiative. The Restore Freedom Initiative was the petition that I wrote to change the Michigan State Constitution. And we had hundreds of thousands of signatures, just not as many to get us on the 2020 ballot. But at any rate, um, I had something in there, specifically in there, if you are um, a government official and you violate the Constitution, what, I mean, it's, it laid it out there, that, you know, whether you could serve in office again, whether you had a financial penalty, whether you were immediately removed from office, all kinds of aspects were written right into the language of this constitutional amendment. And that's the kind of thing that I need, uh, I think we need to get back to. Uh, that's the only thing that I think would be missing from our U.S. Constitution is having that teeth, that substance, and I guess two things. The second half of that would be the standing because it's not something by itself that is, is a problem on its own. It's just one of those things that the government and more specifically the court has created this um, barrier. They're, they're claiming they want access to courts and the judiciary, but at the same time, they're raising all these issues of standing saying that, well, 
you don't have the standing to bring this claim because you know you're not unique in this claim and all people would have this claim whatever the thing is if you have a governor who's violating the rights of 10 million people in the state that doesn't mean that none of the 10 million people get to bring a claim to court just because they're all equally um having their rights trampled upon that's just stupidness um, but yet that's what a lot of the courts have been saying. So anyway, um, the issue of standing, that it would create, um, if you look at that constitutional amendment petition that I wrote in 2020, Restore Freedom Initiative, Google that or just type in the search bar on the Restore Freedom, uh, RestoreFreedomKH.com website, um, uh, type in Restore Freedom Initiative, you'll be able to see the actual language of the petition that we were um, circulating. And one of those aspects in there was the issue of standing. So look at how we address that. It's something that I think needs to be um, brought up and, and changed. But anyway, I wouldn't open the Constitution, though, because you start opening and having a convention of states and, and trying to change the Constitution. There's a lot of bad stuff that's going to happen, good stuff coming out, bad stuff going in. It's not going to be a good deal. It's kind of like, look at what happened in the Michigan State Constitution this last go-round. Supposedly, all those people voted for all those things like afterbirth abortions and all kinds of other murder and things like that. So anyway, we have a question from Donald Williams that came in on YouTube a long time ago, over an hour ago, because I snatched it and grabbed onto it an hour ago in my inner chat with Lori and Mike so that I wouldn't lose it. Um, anyway, Donald Williams asked, is natural law the same as common law? Hell no, it's not. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Natural law is God's law. That's where we have inherent rights and, uh, you know, aspects of how the world works uh, that come from our creator. Common law has absolutely nothing to do with God. It is judge-made law. And I did a short 10-minute video on that recently. I don't remember what episode. It might have been episode 7 of, of this season where I started doing the shorter ones. I've also talked about it in the longer videos several different times. But common law is not God's law. Common law is not natural law. There's nothing natural about God's law. Common law, literally, I mean, look at, watch that video I did. It's 10 minutes long. It's, it's a great video that summarizes all of that. But look at the definition. Literally, the definition is judge-made law that starts with or includes ancient English cases. Okay, so it starts with, and this is why in... In law school, even in the United States, I went to law school in Minnesota. Um, in law school in the United States, everyone in law school, you start with, you know, you have property your first year, constitutional law, torts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you start with in the books? I could put, pull any of the, if you guys can see them, the red books. Oh, you can't. It's too high on my shelf. Anyway, the red books, it'll show you, um, you know, those those cases, they start with, cases from the 1600s and the, you know, whatever. They start with cases that predate the U.S. They start with old English cases. That's English common law. In fact, I even talked about, I don't even remember which statute, which statute it is here in the state of Florida, but there's a state statute in Florida that specifically talks about English common law and how uh, the state of Florida is going to honor English common law unless in it, whatever. And I'm like, no, oh my gosh, there's the, the biggest problem with common law is that, first of all, it starts with English common law, English cases where there was no constitutional republic, okay? 
Um, but then also it's a separation of powers issue because what is it? It's judge made law. It's judges making decisions between two parties that they're then trying to turn around and, and turn into law that they broadcast all over. And, oh, now this is binding precedent. This is something you have to follow. And so what do we do? Our cases over and over and over again are all about uh, following case law and common law and all this. And it's like, no, let's follow actual law. And that starts with following the Constitution and then all constitutionally enacted statutes. That's where we need to start. That's where our focus should be. But judges don't get to make law. And that's literally what common law is. So is natural law the same thing as common law? No, they have nothing to do with each other. God has nothing to do with common law. God has everything to do with natural law. Hopefully that answer gave um, all the information you needed. So, um, uh, yeah, so Michigan, so um, there was a question about Matt DiPerno, a Michigan constitutional attorney. He's not a constitutional attorney. Matt DiPerno is a smart guy, but he is not a constitutional attorney. And I've done videos specifically talking about that um, and why I opposed him, uh, you know, not personally, but why I had a different choice for Michigan attorney general in the Republican primary um, last year. But he is not a constitutional attorney. Um, uh, there's no reason to throw him under the bus at this point, but if you're banking on him for any kind of case, I wouldn't. I, I, he's a smart guy. There's a lot of other cases and things that he could probably be very successful in. I would not bring any constitutional cases to him myself. Um, <laughs> yes. And so, um, yeah, I can't tell, I can't tell the order of some of these. It's in our internal chats. I can't see Facebook and Rumble. So Lori and Mike, are helping by copying and pasting comments in. And so I can't tell what order of these are, but um, looks like my husband commented, you don't want to get her started on Matt DiPerno. <laughs> that is correct. So, um, oh, let's see. Um, I'm just trying to figure out, um, okay, questions. Let's see. Callers are louder than me. Oh, well, uh, I haven't had a caller in a while, so um, I'm not sure how to fix that other than the way we did it today. If you guys joined us from the very beginning, uh, the whole setup I have, I have a very meticulous setup to how there's not going to be echo and you guys will hear me and the callers crystal clear with no echo and blah, 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 all the rest. And none of that worked correctly and none of my backups worked correctly. So it was it, like 47 different versions of restarting different things later. And finally we got, you know, something to remotely kind of work, but, um, any, anyway, um, okay. Oh, there's, okay. So Lori scared me. I was thinking there was an echo and she said, no, it was something she did on her end. Good to know. Um, Okay, so um, Rock616, I'm assuming that's somebody watching on Rumble from Michigan in West Michigan, but maybe not. The 616 could mean all kinds of other things. Um, people are hungry to learn state and U.S. constitutions. Can you briefly explain how and why state and U.S. constitutions were formed? Um, well, they're formed because we need a constitutional republic here to protect us. Because, first of all, a constitutional republic truly is the best form of government, um, where we, the people, retain ultimate control and authority, but it's not 
a direct democracy where we the people literally thousands or millions, depending on the context you're talking about, are each voting on every single little issue. I mean, maybe that's what it needs to come down to. But then, of course, then you end up with mob rule uh, in those situations. So really, that question at 921 at night is probably not one that I should try to answer. But um, it is a good question. Um, I well, Actually, what I would ask you to do to Rock 616 that was asking about the origins of the Constitution Here's actually a very good short answer for you. Check out the video that I did just last week. I released it on Thanksgiving Day. It was so season three, episode 19, I believe. Uh, and it talks about the origins of the U.S. and state constitutions and why the constitutions were created. And they were created out of a source of, uh, not a source, a sense of gratitude and thankfulness. And I talk about how virtually... Um, all of the constitutions reference gratitude or gratefulness in some way, shape, or form, not just gratefulness for anything, but gratefulness specifically to our creator. Uh, all, Almighty God is the way he's most commonly referenced. God is the second most common. Uh, all kinds of other supreme being of the universe, uh, supreme legislator of the universe. Um, anyway, all kinds of other um, similar phrases used for, for him. But at any rate, um, it's a gratitude um, to him for a variety of things I mentioned. Um, some of them talk about our constitutional freedom, which is kind of circular reasoning. Uh, but some of them, uh, some of the state constitutions refer to gratefulness for our, um, our civil uh, liberties, our religious liberties, our just general freedom, general liberty, um, our God's goodness, God's guidance. Uh, all of these things are mentioned right in the state constitutions as things for which the people of the state are grateful and why they are then in turn uh, creating their state constitutions and their very form of state government. So anyway, short video, like I said, I think uh, maybe eight minutes. Oh boy, another call. Let's see. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? Yes, good evening. This is Jay Keen. My name uh, is Jay Keen Woodson. Uh, I was calling because uh, I was wondering if you can help me with the matter uh, in which I believe my constitutional rights were um, violated for the removal of my children. Okay. Um, uh, and you know yes. you're live on, on uh, my channel right now asking this. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. You know that you're calling in live on my channel, so there's people watching this right now. I just want to make sure because it sounds like you might be getting ready to go into something that you might not want other people to hear about. But uh, no worries. Um, definitely, I'll take that uh, in advice. Um, the, the reason I was calling is that I was um, referred to give you a call. Um, I have twin boys that. Uh, worked hard through the court, uh, mostly uh, pro se, and uh, with little legal help in order to obtain custody. Uh, and during those five years, um, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Um, I made many sacrifices, but I ended up getting full custody of my children. And they were with me for about uh, two and a half months. Uh, they were removed by a false reporter. Uh, uh, that indicated that my children were being abused and neglected. And while my, while my children have been away from me, 
uh, during the court process, the case that was held against me, the criminal case was dis- criminal, uh, excuse me, the criminal case was dismissed. However, DCYF is still uh, maintaining their effort to prevent me from ever having an opportunity to see my children. Um, they are not even following the court orders to make any efforts to uh, get the children to be able to be reunited with me. And at this point, um, it's going on almost two years since I've seen my children. And this case that they have against me is solely based on hearsay. There was no uh, evidence, no uh credibility sustained by any of the testimonies that were made. And the person that accused me was never even cross-examined. And at this point, I'm just almost, uh, I had to actually ask uh, the public defender to withdraw from my case so that I can actually take this matter on pro se. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, what state is that in? This is in the state of New Hampshire. Hampshire. Um, Yes. So... I have served, excuse me, I have served as an attorney representing children in abuse and neglect cases in two different states, but New Hampshire is not one of them. What I can tell you is that the laws and procedures are different in all the states. Um, Most of them are inherently unconstitutional. And the hard part about that is that it's an uphill battle to raise these constitutional issues, especially when you're challenging how the system is functioning. It's not just how one particular judge or police officer or CPS or DFS um, person has acted, but it's really how the whole system is set up to work against parents. Um, Right. So I don't know the specifics of the policies and procedures there to, to be able to advise you on, you know, walk you through on what would be your strongest arguments or things of that nature. But um, you know, it's the, the general rule is reunification is what's best for parents. And that is seen across the board in all 50 states. There is policy, if not statutes, if not constitutional guarantees that even in those cases, um, the courts have to do everything to work towards reunification. And um, there has to be very compelling reasons why that's not going to happen. And there's federal law that says um, there's certain timelines that they have to meet. So if you have a case such as yours and they're claiming that reunification is, is not possible, generally speaking, I don't remember the time frames at this point, um, but I wanna say it's between somewhere between 18 and 24 months is they're supposed to Um, either seek reunification or seek termination of parental rights so that they can find permanence for the child. Because if you have a child that's truly abused and neglected, they have the right to be in a safe, stable environment and be able to be adopted and, and, you know, not live in foster care forever. But on the other hand, if you have a parent who's perfectly capable of caring for their own children, Um, it's basically the way to make the government, you know, prove their case or not and be done with it and move on. You know what I mean? So, okay. Yeah. So so I would look at what, um, and it's been, it's been too long. Um, I know we're remotely where some of those statutes are on the shelf behind me, but I also have outdated, I'm sure versions that, um, have been redone. 
um, at least once, if not twice or 10 times since I printed them last. But um, so check, check on what the federal statutes require there. Um, I would get a copy of what the policies and procedures are, the manuals for your DCFS or, or whatever it's called, TPS, Child Protection Team, or whatever they call it there. Yeah. Um, get their policies and procedures. Get a copy of their manuals. Do it by FOIA, go online, whatever you need to do to get a copy of it and read every word of it because chances are they're violating their own policies and procedures as well as well and not just um the federal statutes whatever okay. you do to make your case is i mean you put it in there okay and um i did file a motion recently in the case in which the judge is um interested in reviewing and the motion that i filed was a motion to submit evidence for a new trial um i had a witness that was um not allowed to testify in the hearing when uh, prior to them making a ruling uh, that was actually in direct contact with my children because um, the attorney that I had at the time sent him the wrong address or the wrong court address. And um, there was evidence such as uh, text messages, um, uh, emails and Facebook messages between the person that uh, reported uh, the abuse in which the court was never made aware, so I, I felt that there was multiple reasons why there should be a new trial that I also submitted. So that's still uh, actively something that can be pursued in this matter. I, I would definitely pursue that. A anything and everything. The, the general rule of thumb. So in law school, we're kind of taught this, and a lot of attorneys go by this, um, this philosophy that you know, you need to narrow down your arguments that you have. You need to, you know, you don't want to overwhelm the judge. And judges don't read, you know, all the briefs and all the motions. And they really don't. They don't do their damn job. But you also have to cover your butt. And so yeah. what I do is I put all the legal arguments that I have in a situation, you know, into a, an appeal or a motion to dismiss or whatever. I put it all in there because if you don't raise those issues, oftentimes you lose the ability to raise them later. Excellent. Oh, and I will definitely make sure that I do that as well and, and do my due diligence to um, compile that information in any forward uh, process. I have already done it in my um, um, submission of evidence uh, motion to address all of my arguments. So I think I'm where I need to be to address that, but I do appreciate that great advice. And, and any evidence, anything that you could do in any kind of court proceeding, whether it's an appeal, whether it's in front of a trial court judge or whatever, anything that you could do to visually make it something, I mean, it, write, write whatever you have as professionally as you can, use, you know, use the court precedent, use, you know, statutes and, and constitutional provisions and cite them and do your best to do it all meticulously, but Anything that you can do to visually break things up and use bullet points or numbered lists or um, if there's pictures that you can put in, you know, put in a picture or if there's a chart or a graph or something, anything that you can do to visually break things up and drive a message home because you never know what, what the judge uh, what kind of learner they are, what kind of a reader they are. Are they someone that, that, you know, they're more visual in nature? 
Is it going to help them to really see a chart or see something laid out more black and white like that? Do they like to just read a lot of boring, you know, text? Most people, the answer is going to be no. So do everything you can to include whatever you can that's going to help you, but um, keep it, you know, keep it to the basics on what are the facts, what is the law that helps you, and try to leave all the extraneous stuff out. Excellent. All right. Well, I definitely enjoyed this opportunity to speak with you. I was actually on my way uh, into work because I work overnight now. But this has been a very encouraging as well as fruitful phone call that I appreciate the time with you. And um, I hope that this does help others and encourage others as well to, you know, pursue justice and definitely, you know, work every effort into seeking their goal. Yes. Well, hopefully I've been able to help you and let everybody else know, too, to, to check us out. Subscribe on YouTube. Check out our, our website, RestoreFreedomKH.com, for resources. Anything that we could do to help uh, in all these situations, we'd be glad to do. And not just one person, so. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you and blessings to you and your family. You have a wonderful time, Captain. I appreciate yes. this opportunity. All, all right. right. Well, thanks. Have a great night. Cheers. Bye now. Thank you to that caller. I'm going to look here to see, um, whoops, keep adjusting. My back's kind of hurting after sitting in this chair all day long. I do much better when it's a noon show rather than a, not, you know, 7 to 10 p.m. show. Um, okay. Um, just trying to look through. Oh, oh, sorry, guys. Give me a second here. My screen jumped on me. Um, okay. Um, what is common? Okay, so Lori posted about that. Um, okay. Um, so, um, from We the People FOIA, can you ask if one files a federal lawsuit? Like Catherine wants to file with Allegan County to defend her rights, besides time and cost, what are the repercussions if an individ individual loses? It seems the lack of public filing suits enables government corruption. So basically, is there a reason that people shouldn't be filing uh, lawsuits against government, you know, corrupt government officials? Now, here's the thing. When it's just... Um, let's say somebody goes to court. Let's say I take my case to federal court and for some reason um, I lose at the trial court level. I'm going to fight like hell all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court if that's the case. But anyway, let's say it's somebody else and they don't have the time, the knowledge, you know, the know-how, the whatever it is. Um, they just can't pursue it. Um, if, if they just lose at the trial court level, whether it's a federal case or a state case, there's no case precedent there. It doesn't even set case law for those that like to refer to that or common law. Um, it doesn't even create a case precedent. The only way you get case precedent is if you have a higher court, an appellate court or a Supreme Court that is making a ruling, a specific ruling about a particular area of law. That's, in theory, what's creating that co that case law, that, that uh, case precedent, okay? So I would say there are no repercussions if people start filing lawsuits to hold government officials accountable and you're, you're not just filing some, you know, 
crap, you know, like throwing those, you know, slime balls that they had, you know, when I was growing up in the as a kid in the 90s and you just like throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. It was shaped like a hand and all that kind of if you're trying to do something like that just to see if something sticks, no, don't waste the time because then you make all freedom fighters look bad, okay? You need to have something where it's a specific law, it's a specific, you know, um, cause of action that you are pursuing and you're asking for specific damages and it's based in, in law and in reason. And if you're doing that, go for it. Don't let, you know, the possibility of losing stop you because your, if you did lose, your individual loss does not preclude others from trying. Now, if you kept trying to fight all the way up, um, you know, to your state Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court, and there was some, you know, big ruling that said, no, you can't file these kinds of cases or, you know, no, the government gets to do whatever, they, whatever. I mean, I'd still say we need to keep fighting, but that would, the only potential downfall is if there's um, case precedent created out of that, that then makes it harder for other people to do the same kind of thing. But again, um, that case precedent isn't created at the trial court level anyway. So, okay. So I quickly decided for Lori type. Oh, she sent something. Um, anyway, we, the people FOIA, um, says, uh, contrary to a civil suit where you have to pay attorney's fees if you lose. So, okay. So there might be, um, yes, there could be other, um, repercussions for an individual if you lose that you might be ordered to pay attorney's fees if you lose. Now, in civil suits, it's not common. Our American legal system does not default to saying that if you are the losing party, you have to pay the other party's attorney's fees. That's in the English system, that if you lose, then you um, more commonly than not, then you have to pay the other side's attorney's fees. In our American system of government, that's not typically how it's done here. But there are certain statutes that are written that, in gosh, in this particular kind of case, if you lose, you have to pay the other side's attorney's fees. Or it might be written into a contract that you have um, that if you lose, you have to pay the other side's attorney's fees. Or if you're the reason why, you know, the contract is falling apart or something of that nature, then you have to pay the other side's attorney's fees. So there has to be a specific reason why attorney's fees would be granted, um, but it's kind of an uphill, uphill battle. And, and usually it's reasonable attorney's fees. So oftentimes attorney's fees are knocked right down because it's like, well, that's not considered reasonable. Um, and sometimes it's called actual attorney's fees. So if you're paying your attorney $800 an hour, then you know, I guess as long as you're paying them $800 an hour, it doesn't matter if everybody else doing the same kind of job in the same geographical area only charges $200 an hour. You can get actual attorney's fees. But at any rate, um, that is something that could potentially be um, a drawback if you're filing a lawsuit and you lose. But it's it's not it's not a, a common, like, as soon as you lose, then for sure you're going to end up having to pay the other side's attorney's fees. It's just something that potentially, depending on how your case goes and what laws might be involved, that may be something that you'd be looking at. But, um, okay, so that looks like um, we have answered all of those. I don't even know if I still have the YouTube chat open. Um, okay, so, oh, yes, there was a lot of commenting going on that I couldn't see. So, um, hopefully... 
Um, wow. Okay. Um, so, I'm not sure what the question about a notary was, but I'm assuming you guys have enough chat going on between all of you that uh, that question isn't necessarily for me. So that's fine. Um, so, okay. Um, Can I ask for monies in order to pay myself for my time? I wish. That is a pig's daughter asking on YouTube. Um, as far as attorney's fees, I can't even get attorney's fees for cases where I'm representing myself, even though you think I should be able to, because by representing myself, I'm then not able to spend that time representing other people and losing out on attorney's fees. But whatever. That's the way the system is um, rigged. But anyway. Okay, so, um, yeah, so I think that I can't scroll up the system I have now. Sorry, guys, one of the technical glitches there. I can't scroll up. All I can see is, like, at this point, 30 comments, and it looks like I've addressed um, at least any um, of the questions that are in there. So um, I appreciate all of you joining us. Um, Driftwood of Daggertown, I can't see the whole name there. Jay Curvet, Blue Steel, Big, Big L. Um, Catfish Cheese, uh, some great YouTube names here. Um, anyway, all kinds of uh, people joining us from all different places. Um, it certainly was a pleasure to have all of you call in today from Alaska, New Hampshire, uh, Florida, um, all kinds of place, uh, places. So um, I appreciate all the calls today. I apologize that we couldn't get the technology to work right from the very beginning. I promise you it's not just an aptitude on my end. Uh, you guys saw I even called in Mr. Henry to help me and he <laughs> couldn't fix it either. Um, but anyway, we were able to get it worked out one way, shape or form. So um, I'd love for you guys to let me know, um, not just in the chat here, but um, let us know, reach out to us, shoot us an email. Uh, tell us, do you think that um, this format in general, when it's working, that it works? Do you like the time slot? Do you think you um, and others would continue to benefit if I did um, a, a bi-weekly, monthly, weekly, whatever it looks like kind of a show where we're doing evening instead of um, the, uh, the noon time slot? Um, and how often? So let us know all those things. So do you, do you think evenings are in fact better for this kind of thing than the noon time? Do you think we should do, um, one show a month that's in the evening, one show a month that's, that's at noon? Um, Tuesday seems to be the best day so far for us to do that. So we'd probably stick with that, but let us know your thoughts. Um, and let us know if you think the format in general of call-ins and the kinds of questions and all that, if that works. And let us know what you think of season three format in general, how um, the main videos I've been doing are these short videos that are all roughly between, you know, they're all between six and, and 15 minutes long. Uh, I think the longest we did so far this season was 15 minutes. So let us know what you think of those. Have you 